evening and welcome. Today is Tuesday, January 16th, 2024. It is 5.30, the time for our city council meeting, and I call this meeting to order. Can I get a roll call? Seven council members are participating. Mayor D'Amico is joining us on the telephone. Mayor D'Amico, can you hear us? Yes. Yes, we can hear you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to invite uh, Pastor Jerry Duke of the Christian Growth Fellowship forward for our invocation and invite those of you that wish to participate with us to please stand. Dear Heavenly Father, we come humbly before you this evening to asking that your spirit and your presence be with us. Father, we're asking that you provide us with your divine help and guidance as we gather in this meeting this evening. I pray that you give us wisdom to meet the challenges of our day and the spiritual strength to do what is right in your eyes. And Father, I thank you for this honored council and the city leaders that you have provided us with. I pray that you bless and assist them in your res their respective responsibilities. Give them strength to meet the challenges and the tasks that are set before them. And dear God, provide them with wisdom and knowledge to meet every problem and situation that confronts our community. And dear Lord, I ask your blessings on our city and our community. Father, I pray that you will protect us, our children, and our posterity. And may we always look to you for guidance, direct our choices, our decisions. And to Lord, I pray that we always remember you are the foundation and source of all blessings, prosperity, and security. And we ask all of this in the great name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, please have a seat. <coughs> Thank you. It's now time for call to the public. Call to the public is open to citizens wishing to speak on items that are not already on the agenda. If you're speaking on your own behalf, you'll be allowed three minutes. If you are speaking for a group of people that are here with you, you will be allowed five minutes. If you're speaking for a group, please identify yourself as such when you get to the podium. And I invite anyone who wishes to speak to come forward. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she has to say she's listening. <laughs> I think I got it. <laughs> I'm obviously here for a group. <laughs> Good evening, my name is Diane Hernandez, and I am the board president for the River Cities Community Theater Players and the local, uh, the direct company director for Ghost Light Youth Theater. We, along with several other organizations, including Young Scholars Academy, Voices of the River, Bullhead Rotary, Mojave Comedy, Desert Star Academy, The Dance Sioux, Colorado River Concert Series, uh, Mojave County Canine, River Valley Artists Guild, and um, Our Town Magazine, among also many patrons that we have, um, respectfully request with the city's new acquisition of the Optimum Community Center that we feel now is the perfect time to add a fully functioning, fully equipped theater to our facility. The arts are a vital part of our community, and we all know what benefits the arts provide. 
We need a home that will accommodate our groups and provide a centralized venue for the community to recognize and support. For years, our organizations have struggled to find appropriate venues with necessary technology and bullhead. Yet, we all continue to grow and prosper despite some very real and taxing obstacles. However, the more participants and patrons we receive, the more inadequate those venues are becoming. Bullhead City is growing by leaps and bounds. With the growth comes more opportunities, opportunities to capture hospitality do dollars, to make our city more desirable by providing multiple types of entertainment. We love our river and we know how it contributes to our economy, but what often happens is visitors, snowbirds, new and existing residents are forced to spend their entertainment dollars in Laughlin. We as a city need to keep those dollars in Bullhead City, allowing the citizens and visitors to contribute in additional ways to our city's economy. The, city, uh, the theater would provide much needed performance space, but it could also be used for other events. Concerts, band performances, public meetings, induction ceremonies, graduations, dance recitals, weddings, lecture series, charity galas, political rallies, annual meetings, community education, expanded curriculum op opportunities for the college, and yes, the productions of plays. <laughs> the question always arises, well, how about the field house? We love our field house and it certainly serves its purpose in our community, but they are very different animals. Comparing the field house to a theater is comparing apples and oranges. Uh, just as a theater is not an appropriate place to play a football game, the field house, even with its beautiful conference room, is not adequate as a performance space. But we have the high school auditorium, many will say. Let's be honest, the high school district needs their auditorium available for the high school. Drama classes, spring and fall productions, choir concerts, band concerts, assemblies, honor society, ROTC, key club, and all the other extracurricular activities all need to have access for meetings, awards, ceremonies, inductions. They should not have to work around organizations that have rented their space. A theater will also provide jobs and volunteer opportunities. A theater doesn't run itself, it needs managers, technical staff, office staff, custodial staff, ticket agents, marketing promotion staff, ushers. And while a large majority of these roles can be filled by volunteer staff, as it grows, which we are sure it will, these positions can provide solid employment for members of our community. A city that provides well-rounded opportunities to its citizens is a much more attractive place to live and raise your children. A community with strong recreation programs and athletics as well as the arts will make Bullhead City more attractive to families considering relocating here. And it will help retain not only the families we already have living here, but as the generations of the children grow up and they have varied opportunities, they will be less likely to want to leave and raise their families elsewhere. We are eternally grateful for all the ways that the city, especially Dave Heath and the Department of Parks and Rec supports our organizations. We would not exist without them. We do not expect the city to simply hand us a theater. We ask to work in partnership with the city to make this dream a reality, to create an art space that our city can be proud of, a new jewel in the crown that is Bullhead City a space that we as citizens can experience and support for years to come. Thank you. Thank you.
Good evening, sir, go ahead. Good evening. My name is Harold Smith. I'm a board member of Veterans in Motion. And uh, Veterans in Motion would like to thank you for the use of this Sudden Link, now Optimum Center gymnasium and the classrooms. Uh, for the last two plus years, the program has been working for our veterans as well as community members. We use music and mo uh, motion therapy in our classes that we offer for free to our veterans. Our transportation program helps those veterans that don't have any form of transportation to their medical appointments. We have 12 volunteer drivers that provide their time by driving uh, two vehicles, a 2017 Ford Transit van uh, with a wheelchair lift and a 2020 Nissan Rogue, which were both provided by Mojave County supervisors with the help of Hilde Agnes. We drive both here in, uh, in our local area and to Kingman, Lake Havasu, and Las Vegas where the VA hospital is. Veterans in Motion wants to form a community coalition to help our veterans have much needed Veterans Community Center here in Bullhead City. This coalition will be made up of local and remote veteran services where each veteran service will have either an office or a desk located there. Along with the officers, offices, there will be rooms for job training, physical therapy, and recreation room. Uh, the center will have a large multi-purpose room with a stage at one end for our classes, performing arts, and special events. Um, and we really want to support um, the theater group as well, because we share that uh, facility up there with them. And uh, they are a true asset to our to the community, and uh, we would like to be in that part, have them part of our coalition as to what we can do in the future. Um, and that's about what we have to present right now, but uh, we hope to be able to work with the city and, and make it happen. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Next. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, City Council, and all of you who serve our city so well, and to the general public. My name is Terry Skinner, and I'm with the Colorado River Concerts. We are a nonprofit organization that brings concerts to our town four times a year. I'm here to promote our next concert, which is Divas 3. Divas 3 consists of three beautiful, talented young women that sing songs spanning four decades, from the 1960s to the 1990s. You might hear them do a medley of 60s songs, disco, and but you also might hear them sing songs from Adele, Cher, Dolly, Whitney. They perform a variety of music that I know you're all gonna love and you'll probably sing along to. Um, Divas 3 are based out of Las Vegas where they play many venues there. They've also traveled the world on cruise ships performing. Let me tell you just a little bit about them. Um, there's Ruby Lewis. She has made headlines in New York, LA, Las Vegas, and across the country as a versatile singer, actress, and dancer. She played Marilyn Monroe in Marilyn, the new musical. 
at the Paris Theater in Las Vegas, and it was backed by the Marilyn Monroe estate. Trenise Cobbins was a top five finalist on American Idol, and she transformed that moment into a thriving career as a vocalist, actress, dancer, and host. She later joined the 30-year anniversary tour of Ain't Misbehavin' with fellow American Idol alumni Reuben Stoddard, and they earned a Grammy nomination for the cast album. Tracy D. Stefano, her professional career has taken her all over the world, traveling to over 150 cities on six continents. She recently completed a run as lead singer on the, at the Vegas Strip in the show called Vegas, The Show. Tracy could also be seen performing with her husband in the country duo Heartland Road. So as you see, these are very talented women, and um, I think that we're going to have a very, very good concert. Um, the concert is next Thursday at Mojave High School in their auditorium. It's at seven o'clock. The box office opens at six. The tickets are $35, and um, if you want to buy all three, because we have two more concerts after that, um, you could buy all three for $100. And I just want to tell you a little highlight of who's coming up next. We have Vox Fortura. It's an international pop op quartet. They are on February 21st. They were semi-finalists in Britain's Got Talent. Um, they had an exciting twist, touching on everything from classical to David Bowie, John Legend, and Ed Sheeran, and more. Their captivating charm and dominating stage presence make them an unforgettable group. Key of G, the best of Garth Brooks, is March 7th. AJ Bistro on lead vocals and guitar is backed by a six-piece band of fiddle, bass, steel guitar, drums, guitar, and keys. This concert captures all of the signature sounds that Garth and fans know and love. So we at Colorado River Concerts really enjoy bringing these concerts to our town, and we just really hope that um, everyone listening and everyone here would come try us out. Um, January 25th, it's next Thursday, 7 p.m., Mojave High School. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> next. Anybody else? Come on up, Eva Bo, you'll be next. Good evening, Eva Corbett, Bullhead City, especially Toby Cotter. Um, on this uh, Friday, the high school is, choir group is presenting Name That Tune, and what it is is a contest to see who can name that tune. Remember the old show on TV? And uh, we can have teams of two to six people and they have first prize, second prize, and third place. It's January, Friday, January 19th at six o'clock, and it's in the Mojave High School cafeteria. So there will be food. We always know there's food in the cafeteria. Anyway, I hope you, you guys will come Friday. And uh, we're looking for people that remembered, name that tune. I know one on your, on your council who's very good at that, so I hope he shows up. Thank you. Thank you. Bo. Good evening. 
Good evening, Vice Mayor, Council, and staff. Exciting news from the Bullitt Area Chamber of Commerce. Bo Hellams here. Uh, we recently launched a new initiative for a regional tourism efforts called Discover Colorado River Valley. We created a landing page for the time being and uh, start, started some social media activity, but really what we're aiming for is capturing tourism from the Hoover Dam all the way down to the Topak Gorge. Because a lot of the time residents come out here and they don't really understand where jurisdiction lies or they go to the river, but it doesn't mean they're just going to Laughlin, they go all the way down to Havasu, it could be all over. And we really want to portray a new image of what this area is capable of and that's with Discover Colorado, Colorado River Valley. And it'll be everything, including Bullet City, and uh, it's already growing rapidly. So if you have any questions or want to become more involved or understand this, stop by the chamber. And for the community, you can follow Discover Colorado River Valley as well and help grow that following. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Scotty? Scotty from Bowhead, candidate for District 2 Supervisor. Well, I hope you guys are enjoying your $208 a month raise, your second raise in the second year. $208 a month, oh boy. Whew. Wish I could uh, vote for a raise every time I felt like getting one. This COLA raise is bull. Now you served over 30 years in the police department, you deserve you earned your cola raise. Here, you have not. And nobody's got guts enough up there to rescind this. 1301 Riverfront, there's a three-story garage going up there. 1301 Riverfront. What monstrosity is this going to set a precedent in this town? It's just a garage, it's already, it's like this. You, I couldn't believe it. I didn't think we allowed more than two stories. I know we're, you got it on the agenda tonight, we're gonna have 60 foot buildings down there, hotels, and that new property down there. That's different. This is right on riverfront. Unbelievable. It's not, it's too late to tear it down. You've already approved it. How did this get approved, Toby Cutter? Unreal. Was Mayor Biden in the Virgin Islands staying at a 501c uh, home? I guess that's where he's at this time, huh? There's no conflict of interest there. Thank goodness we had a landslide victory in Iowa last night. Thank you, Trump. And in closing, uh, I just don't believe, I warned this, the them clowns up there in the Board of Supervisors about this newspaper coming into town and taking over all of the newspapers in Mojave County, Parker, et cetera, and California, Needles, and Laughlin, let's go to that state too. Now they're going to three days a week, oh boy. So you're gonna be able to put, Susan gonna be able to put in that thing that we're gonna have a meeting on a Tuesday. We'll have to put it in like the week before. I've seen this happen before in California and Humboldt County, in Times Standard. They've sent in all their liberal Democrats, fired everybody. If you're working at that paper, you're in history. They will bring in, they've already done away with all the editorials. Every, the, the newspaper, Daisy Nelson, you just, uh, way to go. 
She's a puppet. But uh, enough said. I just can't believe this newspaper deal. Anyone else? Don, after Pam. Good evening, uh, council and staff, Pamela Smith. Um, I am here on behalf of the Colorado River Republican Women to invite you all to our next meeting on Wednesday, February 7th. <coughs> Excuse me. It's at Chaparral Country Club, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Our speakers in February will be Bullhead City Mayor Steve D'Amico as well as Bullhead City Council Person Grace Hecht who are both running for District 2 Supervisor. And we will have Lydia Durst who is running for Mojave County Recorder. There is no cost to attend. If you would like lunch, it's $15 and you have to come see me because I take the money. Um, again, that's February 7th, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Chaparral Country Club. Thank you. Council, Sean Regan, Bullhead City. I'm coming in behalf of Arizona Veteran K-9. It's a new year. Um, we're putting on some interesting programs this next year. Uh, for one, we'd like to involve the community a little more, and we're hoping to complete a partnership with Mojave Community College and training some individuals to participate in our training program so that we can put more individuals forward next year. We'd like to get more more involvement with veterans, hoping to partner with Veterans in Motion, uh, Black Mountain Canine, and Saint, and a whole host of others to bring them on our program, and or we go into theirs and expand our, our reach to the community a little more. Um, those that wish to participate can go to azvetcanine.com, or contact us at 928-201-8270, and we'd be happy to uh, lead you along the way, and maybe you can partner with us and help some veterans along the way. We surely need the, the assistance and the volunteers. We also could also use the donations. We also could use some blankets and sheets and things of that nature to help with the dogs if anybody's got some extra uh, pet care material. Uh, feel free to contact us again, 928-201-8270. Uh, and by the way, I do shortchange it a little bit. Uh, I do focus on the veterans, but it is open to first responders as well. Firefighters and police in our community see a lot of tragedy. Um, probably as much as uh, a lot of the veterans do. It's not natural for a human to see that kind of thing, and it's hard to deal with. And we invite those that need your support uh, regardless, uh, our dogs are available to them as well, uh, and our program is free of charge to them as well. So those that are in need of uh, some um, mental health with the dogs, feel free to contact us as well if you're a first responder. Um, thank you all for your time, and we do hope that the community comes forward this year with uh, amazing results. Thank you all for your time. Anyone else? Okay, thank you. We'll close call to the public. I understand there's an agenda modification. Thank you, Vice Mayor Head. Uh, item number seven, 
uh, if council would move to move item seven to immediately following the consent agenda. I assume that takes a motion. Mr. Vice Mayor, I move that we move item number seven to immediately following the consent agenda. Second motion. Okay, we have a motion and a second. Please cast your vote. Mayor, Mayor D'Amico, your vote please. Yes. Seven in favor of the motion, motion carries. Okay, can I get a waiver motion please? Yes. Mr. Mayor, I'm sorry, Mr. Vice Mayor, I motion to waive the reading in full of all ordinances and resolutions presented for adoption at this meeting. Second. Cast your votes. Mayor D'Amico, your vote. Yes. Seven in favor of the motion, motion carries. Manager's report. Thank Mr. you, Vice, Vice Mayor. Thank you very much, Council Members. Uh, three brief items this evening from staff. Uh, first, Police Chief Treves will present uh, some fireworks activity reports uh, from his team over the new year. Thank you, City Manager Carter, Vice Mayor, Council. Uh, in addressing the, some concerns from our citizens about fireworks, uh, we put together a four-day uh, detail uh, from Friday, December 29th to Monday, January 1st with uh, two corporals and two officers were solely dedicated to just taking fireworks calls and nothing else. They ended up taking a total of 42 calls for service uh, during the, that time period. Uh, no citations were issued for fireworks, but we did see some illegal fireworks and in further questioning the people that did have them, they had some legal, some illegal. They indicated they had bought them in the area and there was no indication of it being illegal here in Arizona and therefore you know, uh, not meeting the culpable mental state or not keeping with nobility of policing. They weren't cited for that. Uh, but we were able to um, to seize them. Uh, like I said, this was just an attempt to do everything we can to alleviate some of the concerns of citizens about the fireworks. I know it's it's been a pain in some some of our citizens' sides, and so we're out there doing everything we can to try to uh, combat that. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Chief. And we will do the same type of saturation over the 4th of the July, keeping in mind we keep informing the public that uh, fireworks laws are made in Phoenix, not in Bullhead City. I think we'd probably vote, council would vote a little bit differently if they were making those laws here. So it is legal to shoot off those safe and sane fireworks, uh, but we have people shooting off illegal fireworks. So around the 4th of July, this will become an issue again and the chief uh, will be addressing it. Uh, second item on my report is the community garden update. Uh, Assistant City Manager Eddie Kajira is here to give a brief report on the status of the community garden. Good evening, uh, Vice Mayor and Council. Um, I'd like to go ahead and uh, have Mackenzie pull up the PowerPoint presentation. While he does that, I'll go ahead and give you background on how the community garden came to life. Uh, it just happened when I had just come into the city of Bullhead City, uh, one of the first projects that uh, Mr. Carter was dealing with, uh, with the council was the request of a community garden. So in the fall of 21, we went ahead and pushed out a survey 
to the public. Uh, it was spearheaded by our former council member, Dr. Ziri, and after a few discussions, we put out the survey. We had uh, just over 200 responses in that survey, and uh, it was very clear that the community was very interested in the community garden. What followed that were discussions on a possible site location and how we would want to set that community garden up. So today I'll just follow up and give you an update on how far we have gotten and where we are today. Uh, next slide, please. On the introduction, next one, please. Yeah, uh, so working with the committee, we were able to get a large group of folks. We were able to get master gardeners, community members, city staff, and we were able to sort of develop what community garden we want. We also tapped uh, into Kingman with the Diggit Kingman Community Garden, and we also got advice from them. Uh, the master gardeners were extremely influential in helping us develop what vision we have for the uh, community garden. The main goal that came out of this was social connectedness and just having it as a place that allows people to come together, uh, social gathering. Um, you can come from any social economic background, come garden, come interact with different people, and the main pillar that we have for the garden is also providing the young individuals in the community to be able to learn how to grow food and eat, eat much more healthier. Next slide, please. As part of that, um, a few goals or a few primary goals for the community garden were developed through those discussions. Next slide, please. And with that, uh, as I mentioned, educating the public uh, to eat more healthy, grow more healthy foods, and just general knowledge on what can be grown around our area. And then also we discovered that uh, with community gardens, it's not just a matter of growing. Some people deem them as re recreational, so we also wanted to incorporate that as part of the garden. Uh, being in the Riviera area, one thing that we also discovered, uh, it will be ideal uh, to be able to produce food and give it to the public uh, and also hold uh, community events that people can come in and also enjoy uh, uh, lessons that they are taught how to make salads and different things. Um, also, tapping into that, as I mentioned, underserved communities, uh, commun families that um, are under the poverty rate, just being able to access fruits that come from that or different vegetables to food banks, basically having that nexus to feed back into a community. Improving health and quality of life is also one of our top, top objectives that we have, and we believe that having this is going to advance that. And then lastly, as I mentioned, uh, resting and gathering place. Uh, you don't need to garden, you can just come by uh, different events. If it's someone playing some music or if someone is just teaching a class, you can come by and enjoy it and you don't need to have a bed. Next slide, please. As I touched on earlier, one of the key things that we were able to do is get folks who had buy-in and really wanted to invest their time in our community and in this particular uh, project that we had. Uh, with this, uh, we were able to develop bylaws, uh, rules, and other administrative regulations, and uh, the most interesting was also the design, and I'll touch on that here in a bit. As I mentioned, the master gardeners really, really came in handy. Uh, uh, their experience, knowing what can be grown in the area, how how deep those things need to go. So having the Bullhead Master Gardeners Group as part of this committee did go a long way. 
as I mentioned, walking together, um, I think putting all heads as one, everything came together along really well. And uh, we have come uh, from uh, September of 2021 and where we are today, we stand with the site just having been complicated, uh, completed with irrigation. Next slide, please. The first picture on your left that you see on that slide uh, is when we first got the dirt uh, delivered to our site. The following pictures just show grading and uh, other grading concepts for uh, the, uh, the community garden. Uh, what followed that was irrigation. And as I mentioned last week, uh, we just finished our fencing for the community garden. Next slide, please. And then if you don't mind, Mackenzie, can you please pull up the design? Thank you. The first page just shows the layout of what the community garden is uh, proposed to look like. Uh, we have various beds, ADA compliant beds. Uh, we have a, uh, a, an outdoor kitchen. Uh, and one thing that you realize with this, we also have an outside uh, water feature. This is part of creating that community space and just wanting people, even if you don't have a bed, you're still able to enjoy the community garden. Uh, yeah, uh, this was a very uh, rigorous process being able to, we started off just drawing everything on paper and then I was able to make contact uh, with uh, some individuals that I know that enabled us to get this quality design that you have in front of you and this is what we are using right now to develop the community garden. If you go to the second page on that design, you will see we have laid out uh, the water systems uh, that will be used uh, with the different pressure zones uh, for the community garden. And then the last page on that just shows you the inspirations uh, that we were able to capture from different communities and uh, other community gardens. Thank you. And then with that, I'll just uh, wrap it up and uh, leave it uh, with a quick video that we've been able to capture with the progress that we've made so far, and then I'll introduce the board members for the community garden, thank you. So it's located uh, right by the solar panels, uh, by the Parks and Rec building, uh, also by the senior center uh, where it's currently going under um, expansion. One of the other things that we factored with this was the location, uh, parking, uh, being by the Parks and Rec building, and also for future use, if we do end up having programs, we can partner with the senior center to have them come utilize the garden to do different activities. Thank you, Mackenzie. Uh, before I bring the board up, I would like to just give a big shout out to all our uh, contractors. A big thank you to all of them. Also, uh, Dave Heath, thank you for all your assistance. And I wouldn't be able to be here and be working on this project if it wasn't for the City Council, past and present. Toby and Travis and Danielle for all the work that we put in on this, uh, working on the bylaws and everything else. And uh, without further ado, I'd like to bring the board up to make a few comments. Thank you.
Thank you, Eddie. You know, after Eddie talk, there is no space to talk because he did a very good presentation. Uh, we are we started when I was in the city council, and it's going on for almost three years. We are almost I don't know maybe uh, thirty to forty meetings, and now we have a space and we have a ready to go maybe in May. But I want to thank you to the city council, Toby Carter, mayor, vice mayor, and especially Daniel and Eddie and Travis and Master Gardner, that they are doing this for last three years. One thing you know that uh, city council, I want you to know that this is a non-profit organization. And uh, I want to thank to Paul Bull also, he helped us. And uh, this is our uh, board. Uh, Michael, he's our president, then Brenda, Daniel, B, and everybody know <laughs> Eric. <laughs> so if you guys have any question, we are here. Most likely Eddie will answer you better, <laughs> but I'm just kidding. So I, most likely we're going to start in maybe in May or June for the public. Just a correction in that uh, we will be taking up. The goal is to take applications May or June. Uh, from the information that we've gotten from the master gardeners, it's just way too hot to grow anything around this area during the summer. So we are hoping to uh, have the community garden open to the public later this fall. Thank you. If uh, if you have any questions, I stand for that. Thank you. And uh, uh, we also have uh, our page on Facebook, Bullhead City Community Garden. If you have any questions or if you need more information, feel free to go ahead. And uh, uh, we also have our email on that. So send us a message uh, and uh, we'll be in touch with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and then finally on my report, uh, we are gonna have the pool over here, uh, right next to the community garden closed, coming up here early February into March as we redo all the pool decking. Council approved a uh, significant project to redo all the pool decking and the, the remodeling of that area. And then based on tonight's action on the gymnasium, uh, we will be up at the Optimum Community Center uh, closing down the gym to redo the flooring um, that would most likely take place uh, early February and uh, again, continuing for 30 days or so under construction. So uh, some exciting projects, but things also need to be fixed and we'll keep the public appraised of those and all the out media outlets and such, but we wanted to let council know that those uh, projects are ready to go. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Cotter. And now it's time for Mayor and council members reports on current events. I'd like to start on my far left with Dan. Do you have anything? Juan? Amy? Great. Mr. Vice Mayor, um, this last two weeks I was very fortunate to be invited um, as a guest by Leo Biasucci to the opening session of the House and also to see the Senate and hear the State of the State address. It was. Um, it was a privilege to be there and I just wanna say thank you. Um, also, I wanted to extend condolences, Dave Lords, who was um, very instrumental in Laughlin Ranch, uh, passed away and I was able to go to his funeral and just thank his family and his wife for 
all of the many contributions that he made to our area. So I just wanted to extend my condolences to his family. Thank you. I'm a happy council member tonight. Uh, two items. First of all, I'd like to thank everybody who came out on Friday night and Saturday to Slabarama at the Rotary Club, uh, at Rotary Park. It was a great event, good attendance, lots of food. I think all of, I saw almost all of you there. Um, and it was a really fun time. And we raised a lot of money for some very good purposes at that park. So thanks to all of you who did that. Second of all, when I was appointed to the council, one of the things I had talked about was um, the need to regionalize um, our tourism approach, getting away from Laughlin as a solo destination, Bullhead City, Needles, and we brought up this concept of regionalizing uh, an approach towards getting people to come to this valley where we live because we realize that we're in three states, three counties, multiple jurisdictions, and I really want to give a shout out to uh, the Bullhead Area Chamber of Commerce, their board of directors, and Bo on bringing up um, the website Discover Colorado River Valley. I think it's just the first step in many towards understanding that when we all act together as a region, we have a lot more power and we have a lot more pull. I need tourism dollars in this area, we all do. And when we all come together and take a regional approach, it looks better. By the way, this is what the website looks like. And um, they have, a Facebook, they have a Facebook page also. It's just started. Um, I'm looking forward to them really taking the ball and running with this. Good job at the chamber. Thank you. Mr. Mayor, do you have any comments? Yes, I do, thank you. I just wanted to give an update on uh, what happened with my, uh, me and Travis recently met with our two legislators, Leo Piasucci and John Gillette and uh, give you an update on what we discussed. Uh, we're looking at three items on this year's uh, legislative um, session. First, uh, we're looking at getting more money for our right-hand turn lanes. We're going after another 10 million this time. Uh, we are also looking at maybe doing another land transfer um, like we did with the uh, Veterans Peninsula. This would be done at the Nature Center where we would take over that land from the state and also an amendment to the dog abuse law from the state where if animal control or PD uh, thinks an animal might need to be seen by a vet, there might be an injury, does not have to be a visible injury in the amendment, we would have the power to take that dog to go get it checked out. And that's it for now, thank you. And thank you, I, I have nothing so we can move forward to any items to be withdrawn from the consent agenda? Hearing none, I take a motion. Mr. Mayor, I move that we approve the consent agenda. Second a motion. Please cast your votes. Mayor D'Amico, your vote. Yes. Seven in favor of the motion, motion carries. <coughs> Moving on to item number seven is a public hearing. 
Discussion of possible action to adopt ordinance number 2024-03, approving a zoning map change from R1L Residential Single Family Limited to M1 Industrial General Limited for a 3.94 acre parcel of land located at 2210 Rancho Colorado Boulevard and described as a portion of section 13, Township 20 North, Range 22 West, Bullhead City, Arizona. Vice Mayor, Head, and Council Members, uh, right before the meeting, the applicant, uh, Anthony Malero, approached uh, myself and the City Attorney, along with uh, Attorney Dan Ayler, who had been in previous discussions today. Uh, Mr. Ayler represents a group of nearby property owners. Uh, they did submit an actual protest today, which could have impacted the vote later this evening. Both applicants met with us ever so briefly before the meeting and both requested that this item be tabled to February 20th. They believe they've worked out uh, and negotiated a different uh, scenario that uh, may make this item go away in total. Uh, the applicant still reserves his right to a hearing in front of the council for the rezone if that does not happen. Uh, the public hearing and this whole item can be transferred through a simple motion right now to February 20th. So our recommendation from Garn and myself would be just to simply table this item to February 20th at the request of the applicant. Mr. Vice Mayor, I move to table item number seven. Second a motion. A motion and a second, please cast your votes. Mayor D'Amico, your vote. Seven in favor of the motion, motion carries. Item number four is public hearing, discussion of possible action to adopt ordinance number 2024-01, approving a zoning map change from PL public lands to MU mixed use with C2 general commercial and R2MF residential multiple family uses for parcel of land located at 1600 Highway 95 and described as a portion of Government Lot 10, Section 12, Township 20 North, Range 22 West, Bullhead City, Arizona. Vice Mayor, Head to Council Members and Community, um, this is a rather large item, little bit of meat on the bone here, so we'll take some time to explain it, answer any questions that you have, and uh, certainly be as thorough as possible for the community members who may be impacted. So this is the 18 acres just south of Community Park, just north of the Edgewater Condos. Council took up this item over the past year in working out a development agreement to change the intersection. It also led to us taking over the entire Highway 95 uh, later down the road so that we could better control access, better control the flow of traffic, better control safety on the highway. We believe, and the council has already adopted that, uh, that we will do a much better job of securing safety and traffic flow on Highway 95. That can only happen once the total reconstruction is done. If you drive south in the city limits going to Fort Mojave, you'll see construction is ongoing. We'll be taking over Highway 95. As part of that project, the city is going to relocate Merrill Avenue. That was all done in a development agreement outside of this. Tonight, we're summarily focused on the zoning change. Right now, it's own, it was owned by the state of Arizona, and that came up at the Planning and Zoning Commission, so I think it should be stated very clearly. I think there was some confusion that that was part of the city's holdings, the federal holdings. It never was. So there's 18 acres there in between the condos and the park that's always been known by the state of Arizona, and they have one mission and one mission only for that land, sell it and return that money back to schools and libraries. That's exactly what the state did. 
So the developer has come in requesting a zoning map change consistent with the city's general plan. The other things that came up at the meeting at the Planning and Zoning Commission uh, were, were things like views and drainage and traffic. And so we'll, we'll talk about those this evening, answer any questions that you have as part of the presentation. So uh, our planning staff, our planning manager, Johnny Laura, will present the item. The developer has a brief presentation and then we'll be happy to answer council's presentations, uh, questions and, and you know, entertain the presentation uh, before the public hearing. So hopefully we answer a lot of questions prior to that, but certainly there are gonna be people who wanna talk on the item. So we'll start out briefly there. I'll ask Johnny to come up to the podium and then the developer to make a brief presentation as well. Good evening, Vice Mayor Council. So as Toby mentioned, this request is for an 18.7 acre parcel of land located just north of Merrill on both sides of Highway 95. The current zoning is public lands because it was owned by the state. After the auction purchased by Mr. Khalif, we have to rezone that land for it to be used for a private use. So the general plan, like was mentioned, tells us that this is commercial resort designation, which means recreational, multifamily, hotels, motels, restaurants, things of that nature. And that's exactly what's being proposed. So along the west side of the river, sorry, west side of the highway along the river, applicant is proposing two five-story hotels and a five-story condo tower along with two restaurants. On the east side, a large convenience store with fueling stations, another restaurant, a retail pad, and a storage building pad. Project also includes, as was mentioned, the closing off of the intersections at Merrill and Rio Rancho routing it to a new Anthem Drive with the full signalized intersection. One of the concerns at the council meeting, at the PNZ meeting, I'm sorry, was the southern driveway in, uh, right in, right out shown on the site plan. I think we've discussed with the developer and if the fire department is okay with removing that, that will be removed from the, from the site plan. Drainage was discussed. Uh, on commercial properties, developers are required to retain their own water on site. So if this is approved, if they go through with this project, their civil engineer will have to ensure that all the water uh, pre-development versus post-development, so all the water generated by the rooftops, concrete asphalt is retained on their own site. So that will not affect any other properties uh, on the west side of the highway. Uh, Planning and Zoning Commission, voted to recommend approval on the six in favor, zero opposed vote. I stand for any questions you may have. And I'd, uh, Vice Mayor, I'd also like to add, um, after the presentation, you can answer any questions that you have as well. Uh, one other thing that came up at P&Z was also from Mr. Ayler brought up Rio Rancho and closing that off, because I think that's kind of how we said it. Technically, it's just being rerouted um, to create a much safer environment. Nearly six lanes of traffic, seven at one point in time, all been thoroughly investigated by our traffic engineers who've looked at the circulation here. Again, as I mentioned before, we have full jurisdiction over Highway 95 once this project is done. That means we control every light, every movement, uh, right turn lanes, uh, Cell, decel lanes, all of that is under our jurisdiction. So we can look at Rio Rancho again, 
that, that really has nothing to do with tonight's agenda. Although we wanted to make sure that the site plan we gave council was the, the full um, intent of the applicant and the intent of staff as it related to this item. So we feel it's much safer to not having trash trucks and semis coming out on their own intersection just a few hundred feet away from a very safe controlled intersection. And so that'll still be our position, but we can talk about that down the road. And when we look at Merrill, the citizens of this community have been begging the council to fix Merrill. That's what this is all about. So by getting rid of those left turn, those southbound movements at Merrill, you will save people's lives. And we've talked about that in this council chamber before. So again, we have Lawful Ranch Boulevard, we have Silver Creek, and now we'll have a new intersection here. And whether or not you know, we want to have some concessions for Rio Rancho in the future, that's up to you. That's up to us down the road. We don't have to get locked up in that conversation tonight because we control our destiny as it relates to Rio Rancho or any right turn movements or future Excel decel lanes. But for tonight's purposes and the rezoning that we're looking at, um, we probably should stay a little more focused on the new intersection and the, the item before you, which is the rezoning request of the applicant. But again, it's all fair game. It's all part of what we wanted to show you in the community so that someone couldn't say, well, you didn't bring up Rio Rancho in that rezoning application. Okay, so with that, could we call the developer? Please. You wanna come up, Greg, too? Hi, Elio Cali, First American Investment, Scottsdale, Arizona. My name is Greg Sivanoff. I'm with SMS Architects and the architect uh, for the site plan. I'm here to answer any questions that you guys have, we, which we've discussed quite a few times, and then uh, to see what else you would need. If we have the slides, we can walk through the slides real quick. Oh, yes. Yeah. Great, go ahead. Okay, yeah. Okay, this is, uh, uh, we, we've titled it right now Anthem Travel Center. I'm not sure what the actual title will be when we get it going, but a lot of that will depend on the tenants and the hotels, and there is conversation with several hotels, and there's a, a high interest in, in the site. We think it's a, a really terrific site right on the river. So we can go to the next slide. This gives you an idea of where the location of the site is. Uh, this is an aerial view looking down at it. Uh, with the river frontage, uh, the Edgewater condos to the uh, south, and the community park would be directly north. And so one of our, our goals there is to, you know, it's to tie and actually join with, with the community park to create, uh, you know, a, a better waterfront experience for the public. Next slide. Uh, the overall view here just shows the whole thing, and, and what we've done is we've dropped in that image of the of the neighborhood park so you can kind of see where, where that's at and how it all fits in. So it really kind of continues what's already being planned for the area and we think it's in keeping with with the direction we want to, that the community wants to see there. Next slide. Okay, this is the site plan. Uh, what, what we've located here, this site plan includes the, uh, the new, uh, signalized intersection that's being proposed, the uh, closing of Merrill Street and the rerouting of the traffic. Uh, that information uh, has been incorporated into our plan. 
as along with all the um, stacking requirements and so on to really create a safe, safe intersection there and to improve the traffic flow um, along Highway 91, 95. Uh, there are two, uh, two hotels are planned. You can see them kind of angled at the front there. Uh, as, as you come in the drive, you're, you're coming right into those hotels. They would then uh, enclose sort of a, um, a, an outdoor area which, which creates more of a resort experience. Uh, and then that resort experience goes down to the waterfront and that waterfront then connects to the community park. Uh, to the south of that is a residential building and then across the street, we have the uh, commercial building with the fueling stations, uh, the retail, uh, another uh, uh, quick serve restaurant pad, and, and the potential for a storage facility. Um, there is some potential that that restaurant pad may take that, that whole process, that whole uh, area there. So we'll see how that actually ends up coming together. Uh, you can see we do have, we are showing the right in, right out. We have located our entrances uh, to the correct stacking depth off of uh, Highway 95. So um, we can go to the next slide. The next slide should show you more of an aerial view. There you go, you can kind of see how the development would then kind of come into place. And we have placed the uh, uh, the Edgewater uh, condos on that slide also, so you can see. And then to the, uh, to the right would be the uh, community park. And we're here to answer any questions. Start with Okay, so my first questions are for Johnny. Um, so, the mayor, council member Ring and myself were privileged to attend the P&Z meeting. Uh, this is a big deal in our community and that meeting was very well run and informative. Yeah, good, good work, Pam. Um, John, I have a couple questions. So on the page from the, uh, the temporary engineer, that particular page right there, okay, um, where he talks about, it's, it's the uh, memo dated December 27th. And there were, I, I think this is, this page, is pertinent to a lot of the concerns of the neighbors. So there's two items where it says um, that, the, that the engineering department has no objection based on several things happening. And two of them is, one of them is addressed an existing wash at the southwest portion of the site. What does address mean? That, that sounds kind of vague to me. What is it you're looking for the applicants to do? So I think it's, there's two different issues here. The first being, some of this is gonna be part of the development of the rights of way. So if the, I think this is talking about Merrill. You know, there's, I think, a water flow issue at Merrill. Um, that's part of the right of way improvements. I think what we're talking about is the actual site itself. That's what the zoning request is for. But I think his, his note was just basically, this will have to be addressed as part of the review of the overall project is that they're not gonna do anything that's gonna worsen drainage conditions for anybody. Okay, so at some point in the future, the city and the applicant will come to an agreement on what address means? Well, I believe there's already engineers working on the layout of the rights of way and all those site improvements. Okay, because it's the same thing at the last point, which says address existing wash entering the site at the northeast portion of the site. And we heard a lot about at the P&Z meeting about 
material coming down washes, coming down Merrill Avenue, et cetera. So same thing there. We're not sure what this is, but we just know we need to address it. There's a, yeah, there's a, on the north side, there's actually a floodplain. So the engineers, the applicant's engineer will have to address that, uh, ensuring that they're not encroaching into that floodway and that they're not diverting those waters in any such way that would cause a negative impact on any other properties. Got it. There's an item on here that says procure access easement for proposed Dharma Drive continuation. Who are they getting the, who are they procuring this easement from? I think that's just stating if there's, if that was to pass through any private property, we'd have to obtain an easement. So is this a done deal or? I think that was part of a separate agreement with uh, council months ago. Okay, as far so as all the rights of way. covered by us. There's Right, all the, all the infrastructure, all the rights of ways are there. Okay, those are my questions for Johnny. Thank you. Thank you very much for your response. My question would be for the developer. Uh, number one I wanna say is I, I'm thrilled, first of all, to have met uh, Ilio today and to go over this particular project. This city needs a project like this. It'll bring an infusion of money into the area. As well, it'll create uh, a need for a workforce and people to work in the buildings, whether it's the hotels, whether it's the uh, retail that you have mentioned in here, as well as the fast food, and as well as in all of the hotels. So I'm thrilled to see this um, uh, coming to our city. Thank and you. And we thank you very much for thinking of us and coming to our city because you could have gone anywhere in the nation and done the same thing, but we're Bullhead City and we're proud of it and we're proud to have you here. Thank um, you. A couple questions I do have is, you do mention about a, uh, uh, on a, my drawing, I see there's a spot for a fast food. Uh, do you have any commitments from anyone yet for bringing We, uh, we have not, we, we pretty much uh, wanted to make sure we get all the zoning done first. We have talked to, you know, uh, being in different conventions that I go to every couple months. So people are always asking about Bullhead City. And as you know, you know, you guys have a great booth at ICSC in May in Vegas. So people are always asking. Mm -hmm. uh, we So we created this concept based on the demand of what we call QSRs, quick service restaurants. So, and then so people have asked about being on Highway 95 and the challenge that Bullhead has today, just from covering different cities, they have, it's hard to find good pads. What I mean by pad is those pads that you see on the north west corner, northeast corner, southwest corner, south. So people are asking for, you know, good pads. The same thing like in Phoenix and uh, we're having a hard time finding good pads. So so here people are now are saying, hey, we can come up with a great pad and we would love to be there. So that's what we have. Okay, this, what the city needs also is a good restaurant to go to sit down and eat. There are very few in this town and we do need something like that. Yeah. Um, I have suggestions, but I'm Italian, so I'll, you know where that's gonna go. <laughs> anyway. See, it's, it's the, the way, so it just to kind of, so we have like <coughs> our commercial network is called the ICSC, the uh, International Council of Shopping Centers. So we have conventions every month. Like our next one will be, I go to most of them, is in Dallas at the end of the month. So that will be exposed as well and say, hey, we have new pads. 
So the more we put it out, the more we get the better tenants. If it's sit down, drive through, hotels, uh, or whatever it is, that's how our business usually operates. And you know, Mr. Cotter has been to a lot of these conventions, he can tell you the same way. And, and I would, um, council member, say that there are a number of ones that are probably on your list that have looked at the city or looking at the city, not just in this location, but right across the street here in the new city center development, down by the field house with the new bridge opening, that area is popping. So I like to tell people, you know, if I'm at an HOA meeting or on the radio, that if there's a fast food restaurant you like, it's coming. Um, but, but also in this specific, uh, agenda item, just because it's listed as fast food, I mean, an Olive Garden or Applebee's could go here. Um, these sites have been laid out in such a way that they don't have to just be fast food. So our preference would be to work with the developer to put the highest and best use. And same with the hotels. I mean, the, the companies we've been talking to are the highest level of hotels, um, something Bullhead City if I would have told you that five years ago, 10 years ago, you would have said, Toby, you're fired. You're not, you're dreaming. Um, but we committed to bringing the best developers and the best team and wanting a product where we can say, like you said in your introductory comments, we deserve this, we're good enough for it. And these are very high-end brands that are looking at coming here. So although I'd love to say who they are and say they're all committed, Don't. the first step is the zoning. Okay, next question I have is pretty much the same as the last one. When we talk about having a retail outlet, has uh, anybody committed? Do you have any strong ideas as to who you would want to mention at this point, if not uh, downstream? Uh, if I may ask, what, what do you mean by retail outlets? Yeah. So there's 7,000 square feet of retail on the Oh, I'm sorry, yes, that, that portion store. there. That, uh, yeah. that we, no, that's, we have not. We're, we're discussing possibly coming up with different concepts instead of having a retail uh, there, maybe putting some uh, EV stations and then uh, to help out because the city, I guess, needs some EV stations, so that could be a possibility. But usually a 7,000 square foot retail uh, building like that usually would attract like smaller square footage tenants. There would be like maybe Little Caesars could be a coffee shop, it could be a, uh, so there's a lot of different concepts that fit in that kind of building. Okay, I have one last question. On these uh, condos, I, we asked a question uh -huh. earlier today, I know uh -huh. the answer, but yep. I wanna make sure everybody in the audience and those watching yep. uh, have the same idea. As to the condos that you're putting in over there, the, what dollar value are you putting on them? Well, it, being on the to river, start. Uh, yes, uh, being on the river, usually you would, you'll have to start higher just because it's on the river and it's a great location. And then uh, it, because of cost of construction today, you're gonna have to be a minimum of about probably six, 700,000, maybe 550, 500, but on the low side, but uh, you can build them uh, cheaper than today. I'm gonna guess maybe 250 to 275,000 a unit when you build five stories. So you're not gonna sell them, at, but you, so usually developers have about a 30 to 40% margin on these. On those uh, particular units, uh, some somewhere in the near future, are you putting any uh, paperwork out for a reserve unit if somebody would be interested? 
Oh yeah, yeah. No, it, it's all based on you know um, uh, what you know what is the current. You know, you got to have to form an HOA and all that stuff. So right. you'll have reserves and all. That. Absolutely, yes. Uh -huh. Rogan, I thank you very much. I thank you for driving all the way up from. No, no, anytime. I, I love coming down here all the time. I'm, I'm here quite a bit, so. Rogan, I appreciate it. Thank you so thank much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Ciao. Mr. Vice Mayor, uh, Elio, yeah. what's the timeline? Uh, we're currently uh, moving pretty fast on the uh, on the C store, convenience store, on the northeast corner. Uh, that is with the architect. He's they're working on. Uh, getting proposals and starting up plans, and the hotels all at the same time. So, uh, like I said, uh, we usually, they do, the hotels, Hilton and Marriott, they do market studies. So their latest market studies, they said they need two hotels in Bullhead City, and they need two in Lake Havasu. So they, that's how the whole projects kind of got going as far as Anthem uh, projects. So it all kind of fell at the same good timing. So I would say probably we hope as soon as the signal starts in May, June, if that's kind of what we're thinking, it could be that we should have plans approved by the city about by no later than fall and construction would start right away. And my next question would be how, how many jobs would you say that this will produce for construction? Will you be using local vendors? And then around how many jobs would this employ when the project is finished? We, 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 we love to use local vendors, but sometimes we have to go out of state because when you have that many projects going at the same time, you need help from other cities for people to come down here. So we are gonna need, and that's one of the challenges we're gonna be facing, because when you have a lot of people coming in to help out, where are they gonna stay? And then so we're gonna have to deal with that and that's what we're gonna try and figure out here in the next six months. And then, but it would create at least 300, 400 jobs. Sorry, during the construction or after completion? Um, before and after, yes. Okay. Uh -huh. thank you very much. Yes, thank you. I have a follow-up. I have a follow-up for Elio. Um, at the PNZ meeting, um, some questions were raised about the area directly bordering the condominiums. Mm -hmm. What exactly is going there, and what is separating your property from the condominiums property? Uh, we pretty much gonna have landscaping, and then the building would be sitting um, at least a couple hundred feet to the uh, north mm -hmm. of the condos, so that is part of our what we're working on right now is the design and so those would be parking spots next to the landscaping it, it could be I don't know what we had uh, yes yeah we're showing parking yes okay good yep. um, I'm the council member that has the reputation of not liking self-storage units in town near houses I understood yeah you probably heard um, you have a storage facility planned for this. Yes, this, I can answer that. I can answer that, yours. so that's not a problem. The only reason why we put that in, so kind of show a mixed use, uh, if I would bet on it, you're not gonna see a storage facility there. Uh, we are talking to a tenant on the southeast corner on that parcel that requires a fast food of a minimum two acres. You guys, you guys can read between the lines a little bit. Uh, so if that happens, it's an awesome addition to the city. So they're gonna use pretty much all parking. 
Ironically, I would probably support your indoor self-storage unit at this location. Yep, it's, it's Again, not around it could houses. end up being so. <laughs> yeah, this is the appropriate neighborhood to put it in. Yep. Okay. No, I, I, I really appreciate the risk you're taking in bringing this project in here. We appreciate you. So. We'll open up ourselves to, uh, to some calls for the public so you can go ahead and Thank ask you so people, much. Thank see you for your time. See if anybody has any questions for you. So we are open to uh, call for the public. We'd ask anyone that wants to talk about this particular issue to please come forward. If you're speaking for yourself, much like the standard call to the public, you have three minutes. If you're speaking for a group of people that are here with you, you will have five minutes. Please go ahead, Sean. Good evening, Council. Uh, Sean Regan, um, Bullhead City. I'm speaking for myself. Um, I, I understand um, and appreciate this type of development. Um, and I, I hope I'm staying on topic, but <clears throat> the major concern I have for most of these development, as in most of them, um, you know, we got developments going in down Silver Creek with Mojave Community College apartments going in, this plan facility, but there's not a lot about seeing about the traffic flow. Um, it's, it's dangerous, especially during uh, when tourists come in. Uh, they're not akin to our traffic patterns. Uh, a lot of them stop and turn left from the left turn lane. I mean, it just gets ridiculous out there. And the most egregious is the stoplight turns red when there's one car and it stops all of 95 for one car. Um, that kind of flow has to change if you're gonna build these kind of developments. It has to flow better. And if we're not adding lanes north and south or additional roads, there has to be more planning for where the car's gonna go. We are growing leaps and bounds. This is a good project, um, but I'll tell you, it's maddening out there, um, especially during the two times a year, snowbird season and summer, when the boats are out. If you do plan a convenience store, please put something in for motorhomes and boats so that we're not all cramming into Costco or these other areas. Um, we were also planning to have a Circle K, which was supposed to alleviate that. That has not come to fruition. Um, we need facilities for these places because there's, there's a lot of chaos in our small regional gas stations that just can't accommodate all that traffic for the low price of gas that we have. So we need something to accommodate that. And if you're gonna put that kind of facility in, please accommodate that. Um, and also please address the road situation because this is all gonna come to a head eventually and if it's not addressed, you go ahead and approve, then what'll happen is where's the traffic gonna go? And I, I know we're getting turn lanes and all that, but it just doesn't move well out there, especially during certain periods of time. And like I said, the biggest pet peeve is the whole 95 stops for one car to turn left mainly by the college or other, other outlets, that, that really needs to get addressed. We need a, a lot, lot better flow. Thank you. Thank you. Toby, would you like to talk a little bit about uh, what's gonna happen once yeah. the highway actually comes under our authority? Yeah, so those are great points, and I think many people would agree with those sentiments. And as I mentioned before, full jurisdiction of Highway 95 for the first time since the city incorporated in 1984. As soon as this construction project is done, the city will be taking over full and complete jurisdiction, including everything, 
everything related to Highway 95, lights, timing, uh, installation of new lights, new roads, new rights of ways, new turn lanes, new Excel diesel lanes, all of it falls under the city's jurisdiction. And kudos to council for making that hard decision. Um, we got an additional $8 million um, from the state to do right turn lanes that are under, under design work, hopefully construction this uh, calendar year for sure. So you'll see some vast improvements on Highway 95. And oh, by the way, we're opening up a new bridge pretty soon too. So there's a lot of thought and, and work going into infrastructure. It's not really on the agenda, so I won't get too far afield here, but please be assured that this is part of the commitment to improve safety on the highway. Thank you. Anyone else? Scotty? Excuse me. I'd Welcome, Vice Mayor and City Council and Mayor, wherever you are. But um, my name is Dave Lander. I'm the HOA president of Edgewater Condos, which is right next to this project. And one of our main concerns is um, the fuel dock that they're putting that it's in the plans. As you saw that plan up there, we're that little gray corner. That's our beach. Okay, that fuel dock is gonna extend over a little bit in front of that beach, which would, we have children that swim in there, people that float, usually dock a couple jet skis in there. But we're concerned about the fuel dock because most of, as everybody probably knows, or I'd say 50% because I spent a lot of time in the beach, in the, in the, um, in the um, summer, that a lot of those jet skiers are very inexperienced. So if they come flying in there, our dock's been hit twice by jet skis, a couple times by a boat, just for inexperience. So if they're coming in there and using that fuel dock right in front of our beach, that's gonna be a dangerous situation. Because um, a lot of them are first time jet skiers, they're rentals, they're inexperienced. It's gonna, it's gonna be an uncomfortable, just to be sitting out there in the water. Um, we have a lot of family and children out there. And another thing that that area where that dock's gonna go, that fueling dock, is there's a swirl right there and I could sit on the beach and watch trash or anything floating by, ha have a beer and then an hour later, here it comes the same trash. And again, it just gets caught in that swirl and that's where that dock's gonna be. So if there's any spills there, that fuel is gonna stay right and contaminate our beach and anything around there. Um, so I'd recommend if they're going to need that, that fueling dock, why isn't it going to be put down by the water taxi where the water taxi will use it more than anybody running back and forth to the, which is in the proposal, water taxi. And then in other words, um, and I also wanna say what he was talking about the landscaping, the parking structures that are gonna be five feet from the back of our condo, why are we going to be okaying more shrubbery and stuff when we're already in a huge water crisis now? Why wouldn't they just consider putting a wrought iron fence behind that parking structure so people from the parking lot, from the condos, which aren't gonna be very far away, which are probably going to be Airbnbs, uh, people walking, they could walk right into the back of our condos five feet over the parking structure, under the parking structure, past cars, and go right into our condos. So I would say behind those parking structures should be wrought iron fence, not shrubbery, because we, we don't need more shrubbery, because there's only gonna be six feet between those parking structures and our property line. Okay, so. Right. 
Thank you. Thank you. Vice Mayor. Before, before we move on, let me, let me just ask a quick question mm -hmm. here. Toby, we're really talking about a zoning change and not what they're building there. So I still invite you to come, please step forward, but we're really not talking about the minutia of their project. This particular item is about whether to change the zoning or not to even let them present us with a project. So if you have a comment on that, please come forward. And, and Vice Mayor, if I could, related to the, the condo and since the HOA president was speaking, the developer certainly is not interested in hurting their development. I mean, they, they're a longtime member of the community and so whether it's you know, gas, which may or may not happen, um, or some other things, there's no problem with us as a staff putting the, the, the condo association and the developer together to see what kind of partnerships we can generate. So whether it's shrubbery or wrought iron fence or a block wall, those are things that we can talk about. What you see in your ordinance gives some flexibility in, as the council member said, addressing those issues. So they have to meet the zoning code as it relates to those, but maybe both sides agree that a wrought iron fence is necessary. Maybe that's, maybe that's a requirement of the hotels going in is that no one can enter that area. Um, so right. those, to your point, those are the things, those minutia, those important though, smaller details will be worked out later. And you have our commitment that we can certainly pair up the HOA uh, with the developer to make sure that at least, you know, they're considering the existing condo in their future development. I think that's that's a key goal we have for any development, but I, I hear what the president said and we can certainly make sure those uh, conversations happen in the near future. Absolutely, I and mean, I did not mean to say that we don't care what he says. Right. What I'm simply saying is we're, we're kind of at a 30,000 foot view here. We want to be able to address your issues when we get down on the ground. So um, again, uh, I, I saw a gentleman here, if you'll wait just one moment. Scotty, you've stood up three times. Uh, I'd like to give you your opportunity before we move forward. Yeah, Scotty from Bullhead. Uh, they're already moving dirt, drainage, and everything else, so they're past this. They've already done this. As far as they're concerned. Vice Mayor, could I just comment, Scotty? Huh? That That is not related to their project. That The city has been doing utility work in the street. The city's been doing utility work in the street, and Mr. Clark had a major sewer line break there, so a lot of the activity you see out there is related to city infrastructure. The developer, the only thing they did was clear off the brush. We had a homeless problem, and we asked them to clear the brush and, and clean up that area to move some folks along. So the only thing they've done thus far is clean off the off the shrubs, the, the brush. Yeah, I went through there at five this morning, and it was plain and, ridiculous. And that, but that's all city okay. work related to the infrastructure on the highway. Yeah, it looks like they're just turning up, so whatever. Okay, I agree with you. Um, I never thought I'd want a roundabout anywhere on Highway 95. Jeez, are they gonna put up a stoplight there at that new road? Yes, this will be a Who's paying for that? It's part of a development agreement that okay. we signed with the developer, so it's city and developer funded. Now they're talking about these EV stations. 
Uh, I seen something on TV the other day that they can't put these vehicle fires out. The fire department has no way to put them out unless they smother them or they use 10,000 gallons per minute on them to, or we just, until our fire department can put them out, we shouldn't allow any of them. So, I don't care if they put a thousand story building there, that I could care less, one story or whatever. But the, are they gonna put in right turn lanes like they did at Maverick? Yes. Okay, that's a good thing then. You're next, sir. Mayor, Vice Mayor, uh, Council, thanks for the opportunity to talk. I live on uh, on Merrill Lane, which is the River Buff condos. Uh, yes, just sir. Off can, of, can I ask your name, please? Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Chris Haddad. Thank you, Chris, go ahead. Um, and I'm cautiously um, optimistic and happy about uh, what I read they were doing in the, uh, in the newspaper. And uh, I think we are gonna, for me, Specifically, I think I am gonna lose some of my view, but I'm willing to trade some of that view for uh, a stoplight, as I'm sure the traffic engineer and the police chief's uh, traffic um, sergeant can verify, it is really hard getting out of Merrill, and it's the only way in and out of that whole neighborhood. And um, uh, we've seen for a long time that there were signs something was gonna get built, and, and um, from what I'm seeing here, except for the storage unit. <laughs> it, look, it really does look um, really promising. So, um, you know, I, but once they actually start developing, um, I mean, the, the developer's job is to, make, is to make money and we're gonna be dependent on the council to make sure those buildings look beautiful and, and um, those of us that are looking down from it. I'm not speaking for our condo association, I'm speaking just for me uh, and so, I, I hope you guys look really, really close and make sure the architecture is really pretty and stuff because once they get done, and this is no knock on, on the developer, they'll develop it and then they'll move on to a new project someplace else and all the rest of us have to live with that. So I hope you keep a close eye on it. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, seeing no other, I'll close the, oh, excuse me, one, one last, one last hand in the air. Last time I did it, five more people. The last one too. <laughs> uh, Bo Elmas from the Bullet Area Chamber of Commerce representing the staff and uh, the Chamber Board as well. We, we spoke about this project in great detail and are excited to support the project as well. The Chamber shoots for better business from bridge to bridge. Certainly jobs like Grace had asked and, and, and Dan Alfonso had asked as well, these, this creation can bring jobs to our, to our community and really make a robust community. Uh, keep tourism trapped on our side and allow the Chamber and our our little tourism center to work even harder. So we, we do support the project. We know there's gonna be some shakes along the way, but we know that the community is gonna grow better from this. So you have the chamber's support. We, we really appreciate the project and the investment. Thank you. Oh. Yes, sir. Vice Mayor and Council staff, my name's Dave Turnquist. And I was just wondering, even though this is uh, kind of, uh, uh, just wondering in the future pertaining to traffic, if there's any possibility of connecting old trails that runs on the 
east side of section 12 from the, the back of Merrill Avenue and going through and connecting up to uh, Laughlin Ranch Boulevard. So you're asking that question now and we really can't respond yeah. to it because it's not part of what we're talking about. But certainly I know a staff member wrote it down. So we'll be happy to take a look at what you're asking about. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we'll close the public comments. Um, I wanna work my way through here again. Uh, council members? No? Rich? I absolutely am in support of this zoning change. Um, this brings jobs, housing, and tourism to our community. Let's go. Mr. Mayor, did you have anything you'd like to say? Thank you, Vice Mayor. Um, I'd just like to reiterate what to Toby said. Um, when uh, the planning actually comes, uh, I, I believe both parties should meet together. There are some easy concerns that could be taken care of, and I'm sure both parties will work together to get those done. Um, but I would invite both of them to get together real soon after this and uh, put their concerns together. That's all, thank you. All right, thank you, Mr. Mayor. I, I would like to say that I do support this zoning change. I think this is good for not just the city, but the community as a whole. And it certainly will you know, add to many of the things that we look for every day here in the community. And I'm glad to see us doing things along the Colorado River and throughout Bullhead City. So having said that, I'll look for a motion. Mr. Vice Mayor, motion to approve item number four is read. Second. Second. A motion, a second, cast your votes. Mayor D'Amico, your vote. Yes. Seven in favor of the motion, motion carries. Item number five is a public hearing, discussion of possible action to adopt resolution number 2024R02, approving an amendment to the land use plan of the Bullhead City General Plan to change the land use designation from medium density residential to high density residential for 9.88-acre parcel of land located at 2350 Silver Creek Road and described as the southeast quarter of the northeast quarter of the northeast quarter of Section 24, Township 20 North, Range 22 West, Bullhead City, Arizona. Vice Mayor and Council, uh, this item and the next item really go together. So we'll start with this item and Johnny will present. Uh, this is the general map change. And again, it's singular. We have to do this step before we get into the rezone. So it's a little confusing for folks uh, when they're like, why aren't these together? But they are two separate items that, that require two separate votes. So Johnny will take, uh, take over on item number five. Vice Mayor, Council, so this is part one of the two-part request. This first part is the general plan amendment for this 9.8-acre parcel of land on the south side of Silver Creek, just west of the intersection with Carolina Vista Drive. The current general plan designation for this parcel is medium-density residential, which allows up to six units per acre. The general plan shows that this is a mixed-use area with designations of medium-high density to the west. I think we have the what used to be called the Gold Rush Apartments uh, and the Adobe Highlands Apartments, high density and industrial to the north. Uh, I think we have the uh, Silver Cliff Apartments and then land zoned for uh, high density residential just to the west of that. And then to the west, we have a medium density residential neighborhood, which also has multifamily uses along uh, Calle de Mercado 
as you head towards uh, further east. So this request is to change the designation for medium density residential to high density, which allows up to 20 units per acre. So if approved, this would allow the developer to request a zoning map change for their proposed mixed commercial project, which would include a high-end storage project and apartments. Um, the Planning and Zoning Commission did vote six in favor, zero opposed to recommend approval. I stand for any questions. Hey, Johnny, on this one, uh, was there any type of a traffic study that was done since you're looking at putting, or they're looking at putting nine two-story buildings consisting of about 112 units? That uh, brings a lot of traffic in that area. Correct, so that would be part of the zoning change. If that gets approved, one of the stipulations is that they have to give us a traffic study with recommendations before they get any building permits. Okay, and the next question I have is uh, on this uh, apartment complex with these units, what would the dollar value be per unit? Yeah, I think what that's- What are the rents going to be? That's a better way to put it. Yeah, like I said, this is just a general plan amendment. Um, I think the developer might be able to talk about that as part of the zoning change. Probably best held for the next item. Real good. Thank you much. Mr. Mayor, do you have any uh, questions for Johnny? No, I'm good, thank you. Okay. Thank you, Johnny. It's time for the public hearing. Again, the same rules, three minutes for a person, five minutes for a group. Anybody wish to address this item? Seeing none, I'll close the public hearing and ask for a motion. Mr. Mayor, or Mr. Vice Mayor, motion to approve item number five is read. Second. Second motion. I have a motion and a second. Cast your votes. Mayor D'Amico, your vote. Yes. Council Member Ring, did you press? Thank you. Seven in favor of the motion, motion carries. Item number six is a public hearing. Discussion of possible action to adopt ordinance number 2024-02, approving a zoning map change from R1L Residential Single Family Limited to PAD Planned Area Development with underlying C2 General Commercial and R2MF Residential Multiple Family uses for a 9.0 acre parcel of land located at 2350 Silver Creek Road and described as the southeast quarter of the northeast quarter of the northeast quarter of section 24 township 20 north range 22 west Bullhead City, Arizona. Vice Mayor and Council Members, so uh, this is the actual rezoning item. Uh, this was heard at PNZ. Johnny will present. Uh, also the developer has a short presentation as well to explain uh, this particular development. Uh, we just wanna make it clear some of the questions that came up at planning and zoning, we'll be addressing those as well. Uh, primarily traffic flow, right? So Silver Creek is some really good infrastructure for us and adding this development, we don't believe will even require you know a stoplight, for example. So, uh, but it may require right turn lanes, pork chops, other things that that's what the traffic engineer will will help us determine. But I think one thing we wanted to make clear was um, for the neighborhood behind, especially those on Cali de Mercado, the traffic will all be coming in off of Silver Creek, basically on a private road, private drive, uh, to serve this development. So, um, but we need some circulation for police and fire. 
So on Cali de Mercado, there would be a back gate, a back entrance that uh, you know we would want to have for those purposes. So hopefully that helps answer that question. We'll get a little bit more into it after the rezoning when we actually start building the infrastructure and the city can require more infrastructure from the developer, um, but we don't wanna carelessly put uh, infrastructure that we don't need either, right? We wanna make sure it's designed correctly. So Johnny will present this item and then we have a short presentation from the developer. Great, thank you. Vice Mayor, Council. So this is a zoning change request from single family residential to a planned area development with general commercial and multifamily uses. So the applicant proposes to build a high-end storage facility on the northern part of this parcel. Uh, that would be 75 units. These units have mezzanines. The end units would potentially have living space in them. And these buildings would be built of masonry block. They would not be metal buildings. On the southern portion, you would have 112 apartment units spread across nine two-story buildings. As was mentioned, the access would be from Silver Creek Road. The site plan that is in the packet shows access all the way through to Cayeta Mercado. At the Planning and Zoning Commission meeting, one of the stipulations that was added was that the public access would not extend all the way through. So we did discuss that with the fire department. They have no issue as long as a proper turnaround is provided. Um, so that would be reflected on the final plans if, if this was approved. Um, the Planning and Zoning Commission did recommend approval or in favor to opposed. Um, I stand for any questions. And again, the developer is here, architect is here to talk about the project. Johnny, on the letter from the, again, from the interim city engineer, one of the um, conditions was it says no walls or obstructions over two feet within site visibility zones per AASHTO guidelines. First of all, what's ASHTO and what does that mean by two foot? So that's just the height of any, let's say landscaping or screen walls or anything like that. Near driveways, they just are looking for sight lines for visibility for traffic. So ASHTO is just, a, I think, guidelines that they use for highway traffic. Um, it's like a, a nationwide, I think maybe Angie was gonna say something. I can help you. Okay. That is the American Standards of Highway re Federal Regulations. So there's like a big book that's both, yeah. Yeah, but what it comes down to is, is just sight line visibility at driveways for traffic safety. Okay. Okay, I'd like to invite the applicant up to speak. everybody, my name is Rob Sampson with Selberg Associates, our architecture and planning. It's always my pleasure to be here in front of you guys. Uh, we have a short presentation for you today. If we can pull it up on the screen real quick, that would be appreciated. And as always, the city staff does such a great job of uh, preparing you guys for our presentation. A lot of this is redundant, so we're really just gonna go through it. We'll just skip right to the site planning. So we can go to the next slide, please, I'd appreciate it. Uh, most importantly on this uh, slide is uh, view number three in the lower left corner. You'll see there's a view from the, of the property looking north towards East Plata Coleta. That's important because that's the road that we're planning on aligning our private road with. Here's a site plan that is included in your packet, I understand. Um, Silver Creek is in the top left corner, or sorry, top right corner. 
And uh, the property's broken into two uh, uses. The uh, pinkish use is the uh, storage facility. It's a uh, high-end man caves, not really a storage facility that's really underselling it. And the uh, green section is the uh, nine apartment um, buildings, which are split up into uh, one bedroom and two bedroom units, um, just to help meet more needs of the city. Uh, if we can go to the next uh, slide, please. This is what the, uh, sorry, next slide, please. This is what the inside of these luxury garages and man caves, uh, these are samples of ones we've designed before and also one that uh, Elio's a member of in Scottsdale. Um, you can see there's a variety of uses. They have uh, mezzanines and they have uh, restrooms. Some of them build them out with garages similar to uh, workshops. Uh, it's essentially a man cave or, or a person cave. Uh, next slide, please. This is a, a, a rendition. It's a similar look to what uh, the Auto Blocks in Scottsdale has. Uh, we've kind of mimicked a lot of their architecture, uh, their finishes, and uh, it's very. It's a rugged uh, look with uh, exposed steel and, and exposed masonry. Uh, the site plan that you see has a circular path of, tra of traffic for ingress and egress, uh, with only one driveway going onto the private road. Uh, next slide, please. And skipping to the last part, this is the apartment site plan. It's just kind of a blow up of that same one. We have two uh, accesses onto the private road for this one. Um, also, uh, this is kind of an artist's rendition or rendering of what the buildings could look like. Uh, this will be kind of vetted through the zoning um, with staff and make sure that it meets the, uh, the needs of the community. Uh, as far as the, um, some of the, finer points of the design, we, we kept the public spaces, like the gathering spaces, more internal to help protect the neighbors from uh, noise and light pollution. All of the lights would be directed in towards the, uh, the traffic lanes and the parking. Um, we've set the buildings around the perimeter to help buffer some of the sound and concerns that may come up. Uh, in closing on the next slide, uh, we just see this as being a benefit to the community uh, with increased tax dollars. Um, increased uh, police and fire tax dollars, uh, increased construction job opportunities, um, also increased uh, apartment inventory. So if you have any questions, we're here to answer them and we appreciate the ability to present to you today. Thank you. <laughs> questions? Yeah. As you can probably realize, Bullhead City has a problem with what they call reasonable housing. Don't ask me what reasonable is because the courts haven't decided what reasonable is yet. But uh, as far as having these uh, number of apartments in there, can you give me a ballpark idea or rough order magnitude what a single unit would run and what a double unit would run? That would be, okay. Hi, uh, Elio Cali, First American Investment, Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, so apartment projects, they go by per unit basis. Mm -hmm. So today it costs between 225 to 250,000 per mm -hmm. unit for construction. Just for construction, we haven't done anything at all. That's the cost to do it. So on something like this, you're probably gonna be looking at a minimum two bedroom, two bath, starting around seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars in order to, for it to pencil out. Okay. So it's 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 a little bit higher end to uh, for the project. And a single unit would run somewhere in the neighborhood of about fifteen. 
Uh, they running anywhere between, yes, between 15 to 1700 currently, okay. yes, yes. All right, thank yep. you very much. Yep. Thank you. Council member, if I could just make a comment on that, just so the public understands as well, um, we're looking at a diversity of housing stock right now. Um, we do have two uh, affordable housing units that are income qualified um, and will retain a certain um, rent level. Uh, where there's a groundbreaking for one down on Clearwater and Riviera next week, next Tuesday. There'll be another one short, forthcoming on Havasupai real soon. Of course, the college is building student housing out on the campus right now. So there's a multitude of, of affordability um, as we kind of try to keep that diversity of housing stock. Um, this one is fully funded by the developer, 100% uh, development driven. So whatever those rents end up being is what they end up being. Mr. Vice Mayor, uh, going back to the subject of the wall, is there going to be a wall, or you, that's not been decided yet? Uh, I'm sorry, the, where are we talking about the wall? The wall where? Uh, on the back of or on Calle de Mercado, on the back on of the Calle apartment. Calle de Mercado, what do we have on there, uh, Rob? Um, I think we Cur currently we are showing a wall or some kind of a buffer there. Yes. Yes. But it won't be no more than two feet. No, this is not actually at any of the, the uh, drive areas, so we can have a six-foot buffer wall. Yeah, there. we have six-foot buffer wall on the backside, yes. Okay. And uh, uh, the luxury garages, uh, are people going to be able to live out of that? Is that what? So the way it's currently designed, uh, the units that are around the perimeter have the ability to have a dwelling unit in it with uh, access or egress that meets all of the international building codes. The ones on the internal that share a, a wall are not going to be able to, so it'll be a mix of potential there. Thank you. I was just wondering how much the man caves, or people caves as they're called, um, <laughs> I, would go you for. Know, well, you know, the man cave story does, does not apply really. I mean, it does apply, but you can use it for RV storage, you can use it for, if you have few cars, so driving around Bullhead in other towns, you'll see a lot of people that have like, there's no, the CCNRs, they, they would have like five cars outside. And then so this is, it's a way where if you wanna store all your cars in one place, that you can. And it's pretty much so that's kinda what, the, the new concept of the auto box, what we call, that we have in, in Scottsdale right now, so, but it, it's more of a, you know, you can put lifts inside, you can put in uh, boats, uh, wave runners, jet skis, uh, and then on the ones that, uh, they're, they're mainly between 800 to 1200 square feet, maybe some, some of them corner, maybe a little bit bigger, but they're, they're not the huge big concepts. I'm sorry, I think I, I didn't explain myself, how much, would those be running for if the if the um, houses are seventeen to eighteen thousand? I was just curious what the man caves or the I, auto boxes. Well, the the prices I, I can, we can't compare that to to uh, Phoenix. Obviously, it's will be it's it's right now we're working on the budget to figure out what's a good cost and for and a price on these units. Yes, council member. I, I can hopefully provide more clarity than the developer did. These will be hundreds of thousands of dollars per <laughs> unit. They will not be cheap. Um, it's a different product. It's a different offering. 
it's a block building. Um, you're seeing in some of our older neighborhoods where people, let's say from California, are building a singular pole barn for, let's say, 150,000. This is not that. These will be, in my estimation, three, four, maybe more hundred thousand each for each unit. Yep. Um, they're, so they're going to be on the higher end for those individuals who have nicer cars, nicer boats, and are affluent enough to afford them. So um, I don't want anybody to have any, you know, feelings that this is going to be a, 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 a truly, you know, affordability is a question mark on these. Uh, there's a market here, though. Um, we've talked to a number of people who want to do storage units, and you know, Council, Council Member Letman and I have had hours of conversation about this. There are a lot of people who don't want to take their toys home. They can't take their boat across to Needles without getting it inspected, and, and a whole plethora of issues of people who ride Can-Ams in the desert or their Polaris in the desert. And so there is a significant market for a higher-end unit, and uh, this will this will be that unit. Yeah, and then the um, the ones that we have at the Scottsdale Airport uh, between the Auto Box and Toy Barn, they're 800 to you know 1,500 square feet, and they pretty much start at about million three <laughs> to three and a half million. Thank you. I think. Um, especially with Laughlin Ranch having such narrow roads that will really benefit um, your endeavors. Thank you. The city manager stole my thunder. <coughs> I want to talk about those 75 storage units. No, actually, um, I just want to make sure a couple things. The traffic going in and out um, is going to be on the private road for this development, correct? Off of Silver Creek, yes. Yes, mm -hmm. off Silver Creek, good. Um, the 75 luxury garages um, will be built of masonry. That is correct, block. I wish you were around before we built some of these out on the parkway. Okay, but um, I like that a lot. And it'll be compatible with the design of the residential buildings. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. We, and we, we are planning, we, as a developer, you want to have a traffic study. Or nobody's trying to escape or anything. We, we want to have a traffic study because if you also deal with a lender, a lender is going to require all the stuff. So. Let's give the mayor an opportunity if you have anything, Mr. Mayor. I'm here, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, please Thank you. go ahead and have a seat and we'll uh, let the public have a say. Anyone like to address this item from the general public? Come on up, Pam. Good evening again, Pamela Smith. Um, just a minor correction as to what I recall and Johnny correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, we approved this at planning with two additions, one being that there be a six-foot block wall between Cole de Mercada and the other one removing the emergency entrance from that if that was okay with the fire department, which Johnny just said it was. So I just wanted to clarify that. Anyone else? Excuse me, sir? Yes. I'm going to let this woman speak, then you. Sure. And then we'll go right to you, sir. Well, I just, it's, it's kind of confusing when people stand up, so we'll get there. Grace Fel, good evening, Grace Felsner, Bullhead City. 
and none of this has anything to do with all the seniors that live here. We can't afford all of this, and I'm glad you're bringing it in, but don't forget, we still live here too. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, I'm uh, Ken Getz from Bullhead. This, I just happen to live across the street from this project. I'll be looking into the back of that wall every morning. But I was just curious, last time I was at a meeting here, we were talking about the school district putting in housing there for teachers. What happened to that whole situation? I'm, it's, it's, I missed out. It's moving forward, they've submitted plans. You'll see it any day. Another area? Right right behind that, on Cali de Mercado. Oh, in the same You'll see it same very area. soon. Okay, I was just curious. Yeah, it just shocked me when I saw what, what all you were putting in there. It, it, it didn't sound like anything that you had talked about previously. Yes, okay, thank you very much for your time. You bet, you're more than welcome. Anyone else? Good evening, Mayor, Council, and City Administration. My name is Larry Toonforce. I built my house in this neighborhood 34 years ago, understanding that it was a homes-only area. Uh, that's the way the neighborhood was designed, and that was part of the general plan. Uh, the land discussed in the general plan kind of thought about El Cazador and Valley Vista going through that lot. And now with the teacher's home or school district being built, now you're gonna have two-story apartments looking down on that area. Um, I, I can't support this, I mean, I know we need more places for people to live in our town, but, and, and the project is great, but it would be great by the college, it would be great on, you know, Lakeside or, or you know, Laughlin Ranch Boulevard, Marina Boulevard, anywhere except an area that is currently zoned for houses. Why would you take, and the people that have lived there that are expecting houses to go in there and now all of a sudden you're gonna build two-story apartments. I'm gonna come to the end of my street every day and look at a six-foot wall. The value of my property just went down. And every lot south of this development just went down when these apartments go in and we have a six-foot wall at the end of our street. This makes no sense to me. Amen. You'll be next, ma'am. Go ahead, sir. Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, my name is Ed Norris. Uh, I, <clears throat> I live across the street from this uh, project, and I'm all for these kind of projects, but not for this location. Um, just like Larry said, uh, uh, it's gonna hurt our market value of our property. No question about it. And then the last thing is, uh, I don't like looking at a wall. In fact, I'm looking at the rear end of, a, of apartments and I don't care for that. Thank you. My name is Sharon Brayshaw. I also live on El Cazador. And like Larry, I moved there at the same time he did. I'm a senior citizen and I bought that property with the knowledge that it was gonna be a homes only we made an effort looking for a long time before we ever bought in Bullhead to make sure that we would have a neighborhood that was safe and homes only to be built in. Also, I'm a little confused about these storage units where 
you store cars and people live in them. I, I don't really understand that. I need a little bit more clarification on that. Is this the storage units that you're talking about or is there another storage unit besides this garage concept or car thing? What is it? You said storage units. So what's the storage units I'm asking? We'll, we'll let the developer explain that if you don't mind. Thank you. You bet. This storage unit is a where you can store your boats, your RVs, uh, your toys, uh, if you have a few cars. So we call them storage units slash auto box in Scottsdale, in Phoenix. You can store whatever you want, ma'am, inside. Typically, uh, Vice Mayor, typically, as we've seen from photos and in our research, typically it's high-end vehicles owned by people who make uh, a high-end salary, um, people who are storing high-end boats, um, and then and that lower level, um, and the upper level, maybe a mezzanine area where there's maybe a desk, uh, maybe a seating area. Um, other things that we've seen include like maybe refrigerators or other things. So it's definitely meets the definition of what people would call the she shed or man cave. It's a high end dwelling where people can store expensive things. That's that's probably the better definition than you could store anything because we all can go down the street for $100 a month and store something. That's the absolute opposite of what this is. This is for people who are generally affluent, who can store high-end valuable things. Thank you. Johnny, did you have something you wanted to say? Yes, I think Mr. Sampson brought this up during his presentation. So on the end units, so each building would have at least two end units, there is the opportunity to build basically an apartment inside that same garage on a mezzanine level and still have the required building code egress directly to the outside. So just on those units on the exterior of the buildings, they would have the opportunity to actually build living space within that and still have all the required uh, like fire separation from the garage space. Thank you. Sir? Vice Mayor, Council. <coughs> My name is Bob Boyd. I just finished building a home on the corner of <coughs> Avenida Calibre and Corona Vista, um, which is in this area. Uh, it is, and hopes it, it still will be, my wife's forever dream home. Uh, we went to an extensive search of Bullhead City I've actually been building, I'm a general contractor, I've been building in Mojave County for over 40 years. Um, many of these projects I've been very much involved with. <clears throat> this one here is in my own backyard and we went out, we didn't want HOAs. I remember when Tierra Grande was developed, it was a multi-use area, well planned. I know the people that did that project personally. 
I sold real estate years ago in that project. In fact, one of the first realtors to ever sell property there. We found these lots in hopes of building a nice home, and I think the neighbors all watched us. I know my neighbor came by and asked if we were building an apartment, and I said, no, I just happened to have larger equipment than most of the people. We had road graders and all kinds of things because we had to build up on top of the mesa or on top of the end of the road. Our backyard is gonna be looking at this. There's one thing that's critical in this whole situation. Bullhead City is not Scottsdale, number one. Number two, as far as the high-end man caves and all of that sort of thing, there's a tremendous amount of property in and around Fort Mojave area. There's acreage that can be developed. I've been involved with some of these things. There's a lot of man caves, she sheds, what have you. There's all kinds of very, very expensive boat storage being built right now or man caves. If you look at World Avenue, two properties just sold down there. One was three quarters of a million dollars and the other one was a million two. Nothing but pull in your RV, all your equipment and go. I ask, please, on this particular situation, given the density alone with the park, you've got your own ingress and egress out to, to Silver Creek. That's great. It can take upwards of two or three to upwards of five minutes to turn left out of Corona Vista right now, yeah. given the current traffic in that particular area. Please think about this. Think about it seriously. Thank you. Sean Regan, Bullhead City. Absolutely, let's take care of the rich. Absolutely, I need a place to park my Ferrari, my Bentley, my 50-foot diesel pusher, and my Scarab. I'm tired of the, the cops chasing me, and I need a place to park my Ferrari when they chase me, and they can't find me. It's ridiculous. Um, we're constantly saying, oh, we need affordable this and affordable that, but what I see is not affordable anything. This kind of project does need to be moved. It is not supported. Um, we are not Scottsdale, like was said. We are Bullhead City, <clears throat> and if we're gonna be taking care of the rich, let them build somewhere else. Um, this just isn't it for this type of neighborhood. Um, I don't mind development and I don't mind growth. I don't mind the hotels that we do need, but we don't need this where this is going. Um, you can find some other better use for it. So I strongly suggest you think twice. Um, you know, this this just not not a good idea. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Susan Norris, hi. Hello. I live on the corner of Cali de Mercado and Corona Vista, just catty cornered from Bob and his new house, just down the street from Turnforos. I walk from Corona Vista down to the end of Cali de Mercado because of my legs, I need the exercise. They got all this heavy equipment already going down there where you're building these houses for the teachers. They don't care if you're walking on the street. They try to hit you. 
And I'm talking about big equipment, not little dinky things. And today they was constantly up and down Calle de Mercado with their big machines. They didn't stay down there, why, I don't know. But I strongly, I oppose this, just like everybody else has. The view, it's gonna ruin it. You can't even see over where Laughlin is anymore with this junk going up. And like everybody said, we are not Scottsdale. Okay, seeing no others stand up, we'll close the, oh, come on. Good evening, everybody. My name is Gloria Ford. I've been here since 1976, and I've seen a lots and lots of great improvements in here in this city. But this thing is not. We live in a really small community. Most of us are senior citizens that we've been here paying taxes forever. And I agree with everything that everybody else said. And I don't agree with this. I live right in the end and they were having all this equipment in there right now. They start working early in the morning. We retired so we can relax. And here we are, waking us up early in the morning with the heavy equipment. The streets, somebody made a mistake in the beginning when they developed that particular area in there because they didn't make the roads wide enough. Now we don't have the room to go on there. So you gentlemen and ladies better think about this because you're gonna ruin a lot of our We live over there because we don't wanna have any stress in the big cities and then and like everybody says in there, this is not Scottsdale, Phoenix or any uh, big city. You wanna build something like that? Build it across the river. They got a lot of land over there. Thank you. And no, I don't want it. Okay, last call. All right, I'll close the public hearing. Council, you have any questions after? Mr. Mayor, or Mr. Vice Mayor, I have a question. Um, Elio, this question's for you. So Larry mentioned that his property value would go down. Could you could you address that concern? Um, well, the again, when you when you cost of construction today, um, to give you an example, these probably would cost anywhere between a minimum of about a hundred and 65 to 200 dollars a square foot this is just for the shell does not include land costs or anything else so by the time you're done you're going to be your cost in these are going to be around probably 400 to maybe around 400,000 and I'm pretty sure a lot there's a lot of homes around there right now that are around the 400,000 so now we got to put in some profit on top so they're going to be selling more than what the existing homes are selling currently in that area. Okay, and then, uh, so my question, just to clarify, would the property value of the, of the um, properties, the other homes go down or up? You're saying that their property value would go up, correct? I, I personally think it's gonna help everybody around in the neighborhoods, so. Okay. 
And then my next question would be, with all of the land that you own here in our town and all the developments, why did you choose this location for this development? Uh, location, utilities, and it's close to the park, community parks. Okay, thank you, those were all my questions. You're welcome. I don't have a question for you. I wanna make a comment and um, I'm not gonna make some of you happy, but hear me out. I've listened to you, so hear, hear what I have to say. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. That area up there, other than Bob Boyd, I, I don't think a house has been built up there for a long time and somebody will correct me, correct me if I'm wrong. Cammy, I You guys, I can't hear you. You're wrong. <laughs> okay, I can take that. Tammy, I just had one built on my house and one built on the corner. Directly on the Just built. Okay. So when we come across these, deci these, these um, decisions that we have to make, I ask myself, at, at, you know, would I want apartments by my, by my house? I wouldn't have a problem with that. And you know, would I want uh, storage ships? I wouldn't have a problem with that. I've got commercial already. I don't have a problem with it. Um, I believe that um, that area, my opinion, I will be voting yes on this. I do believe that area needs to be developed more to help the area, and that's all I'm gonna say. Thank you. Thank you. Develop it for residential houses. Okay, we're done with we're, we're done with the public comment. Thank you. Go ahead, Juan. All right, Mr. Vice Mayor. So, I agree with what a lot of the public said, but. I don't see residential houses off of Silver Creek like that. It just doesn't look right for the area. And what the developer's proposing looks more appropriate. I understand it could be a block wall, but no matter what, if we don't do decide now, somebody's gonna build something and it's not gonna be homes. So we might as well go with this. I think it's a good idea. I'll be voting yes. No comment. Mr. Mayor, do you have any comment? Hi, uh, I, uh, Larry Tuneforce said earlier, put them down on Marina and Lakeside. Well, I live down that area. I welcome there, bring them down. Um, I think uh, agree with uh, what Juan just said, that uh, something's gonna be built there. Um, I think this is gonna be one of the better uh, choices you have of what could be built up there, but something will be built there. Uh, when their houses were built, you had construction crews up there and heavy equipment. And you're gonna have a heavy equipment up there no matter what's being built up there. Uh, I think this is gonna be one of the better projects that could be up there. And that's all I have to say, thank you. Hey, Toby, did you have a comment? Yeah, so one thing that Pam from the Planning Commission brought up was seeking some clarification. Now the Planning and Zoning Commission can make all the recommendations in the world. It's up to the council on what they ultimately want to vote on. So the question that we should probably clarify with Johnny is 
what Cali de Mercado means and looks like, because originally in the proposal, we were talking about a private gate on the backside that police and fire would use. The Planning and Zoning Commission said, well, they'd rather just have fire be able to turn around in the back. So that was, and then this block wall issue versus landscaping versus something else came from the Planning and Zoning Commission. So if you don't mind if we could clarify that with Johnny so that everyone's on the, on the, the right path here. Absolutely, thank you, Johnny. Yeah, so at the commission meeting, that was the recommendation was that they would have a six foot block wall to screen the apartments from the surrounding residential neighborhood. Um, the code requirement, the specific code requirement is if you have adjacent properties uh, that are being developed, you have to build a screen wall if the zoning designations are different. With this being separated by streets, there wouldn't necessarily be the requirement to build a block wall there. Um, they could build a wrought iron fence or something else if, uh, if, there's, if they so desired, but at the commission meeting, that was the recommendation from the commission was that it be a block wall. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to ask you a question, Johnny, and, and if I were a developer and wanted to build homes on this section of land, and I wanted to fence it in with a block wall all the way around. Are there rules that would disallow me from doing that? There are not. So okay. that's a good point to bring up is that if this was developed, let's say with um, a fully commercial use because it does front on Silver Creek, the general plan does allow for commercial uses even in the medium density residential uh, general plan designation if they fronts on an arterial street, which Silver Creek is an arterial. So in, in theory, they could build all storage units there um, and have the, the block wall separation. Um, if they built residential, it would be this, the same question would be, what does the developer wanna do? There would be nothing that would prohibit them from building a six foot fence or block wall along that property line. Okay, thank you. Vice Mayor, one other thing that came up during the call to the public was traffic concerns on Silver Creek. As we've mentioned on multiple items tonight, you know, traffic analysis will be done, but we're hearing that turning out, probably heading westbound on Corona Vista is becoming very difficult. There's also development slated, some high-end development that is across the street uh, on the north side. Um, probably appropriate for the city to look at all traffic flow in that area. Um, I'm not suggesting that a light is needed on Silver Creek in this area, but a traffic engineer should probably look at that. That's outside of this development. If this development wasn't happening and people are saying it takes five to 10 minutes to turn westbound, that's a problem today. Now we're adding some additional traffic, um, albeit the numbers won't vet out any changes necessarily uh, from this new development but it sounds like we do have a future problem growing here that we'll look at independently on the traffic flow on Silver Creek in this area to see if any accommodations need to be met, no matter what your decision is here tonight. Thank you. Um, Elio, can I ask you a question, please? As I'm looking at uh, your, I don't know, bot map, I guess, for lack of a better term to use, your private road is basically across from Plata Caleta. That, that, that's, yes. So that so yeah. we aligned what, what it. What I see be, here yes. is what mm -hmm. is accurate to that. Yeah, we aligned it okay. to kind of match that. And then all the ingress, egresses will be off of that street. Okay, all right, thank you. Yep. 
All right, anyone else? Mr. Vice Mayor, um, I just wanna say thank you to Johnny and the Planning and Zoning Commission. Um, I used to live on Corona Vista and it's a beautiful neighborhood. Uh, as I think I agree with Johnny that commercial and uh, different things will come in on Silver Creek. So I think for this project, although um, unfortunately it will make several of you unhappy, something is going to go there and what Elio is proposing I think will be a great addition to that community and I hope that it will bring the property values up. All right, I'll uh, accept the motion. Uh, Mr. Vice Mayor, I move to approve item six is read. Second. Mr. Motion Vice Mayor, second. before yes. you vote, I still think Garn and I are questioning um, the ramifications of the plan commission recommendations on those two items. Um, so if I could ask our city attorney to weigh in, uh, the recommendation they sent over was the block wall and removal of the gate in lieu of like a hammerhead or a cul-de-sac. And so we just wanna make sure before you vote that we have that correct. Uh, that is true since there, there is a lack of clarity on what, what the motion is here today. So if there's any desire to adopt those affirmatively, the block wall and the turnaround rather than the gate, I'd recommend you include that as a stipulation to the zoning approval if that's your interest. Will, will the maker of the motion agree to that? Sure. And the second? Second. Uh, I wanna make sure I say this right. I move to approve item six with the block wall, with the wrought iron wall, with the. Help, help us, help uh, us right. say this the right Approval way. with the plan commission recommendations as they stated, if that's what you agree with. Yes. Okay, approval, um, I move to approve item six with the approval of the planning and zoning. Recommendation. Recommendation. Okay, we have a motion and a second, cast your vote. Mayor D'Amico, your vote. Yes. Seven in favor of the motion, motion carries. Okay, uh, Sue, we've been at this for about two hours and 15 minutes. Could we take ten mi a 10 minute break? We'll start back at uh, right at eight o'clock. Even, even my phone thinks it's a good <laughs>
order and we're on item eight, I believe. Item number eight, discussion of possible action to approve the construction contract with Sun Country Floors Incorporated of Mesa, Arizona through Sourcewell contract number 031022GER in an amount not to exceed $228,448.18 for the rehabilitation of the gymnasium floor at the Optimum Community Center and authorize the city manager to execute the contract and issue resulting payments. Vice Mayor Head and Council Members, uh, this is a singular item for the floor of the gym, uh, but allow me just a moment to talk a little broader. You all probably know things that maybe the community doesn't. So first and foremost, we own the Optimum Community Center, formerly the Mountain View School. Uh, the city worked out an arrangement with the school district, so we own it now, and that was a big, uh, decision of the council over the past year that before we started investing in the facility that we own it. So it is now owned by the citizens in the city of Bullhead. Secondly, we agreed that phase one would essentially be redoing the parking lot, adding some 400 parking spaces that's in the budget that's progressing. Angie will be bringing that uh, bid uh, to the council for approval in the next 30, 45 days or so. And then the gym is going nowhere. That gym is solid as a rock but it needs some rehab. It needs a new floor, it needs to be painted, it, the kitchen needs to be remodeled, and some new doors and things, but for the most part, the structure itself is A+. So that's what we're doing right now. Uh, there are a lot of users uh, in that facility. You heard from some of them tonight that are hoping that we look at a community theater. And so that comes next. So what happens beyond the parking lot, the gym, and the little community building, the multi-purpose room, that's yet to be determined. Uh, in the next month, the whole community is gonna be asked to respond to questionnaires, focus groups, surveys. We're talking to all the user groups and looking at what does phase three, four, and five look like. We agreed that we don't have to do it all in one day. Maybe some of those other buildings stay. Maybe some of them are torn down. Um, right now, the community players and the theater group can come in and on this new gym, which Dave and Angie will present on, there'll actually be a carpet that gets laid over it. So while we're putting in a great new athletic surface for volleyball, pickleball, and basketball, we also wanna make sure that this is a multi-purpose room and that there's a very good course cover that we can put on this so that when the players are in there or it's rented out for a wedding, whatever it ends up being that's not sports, that we don't wreck the floor. So therein, therein lies where we're at right now. So to the veterans in motion, to the, all the folks that presented earlier, I know it's been a few hours ago and they're probably at home, maybe some of them watching online. This next phase is where the council's gonna be hearing from the public on what is yet to come. Could we build a community theater? Yes. Could we help the veterans in motion with some of their needs and other user groups and their needs and other classrooms and multi-story building or whatever it looks like? Those are the things that we're gonna be taking on in the very near future. So you'll hear more about the rest of the phases at the Optimum Community Center in the very near future. Tonight is just replacing the floor. The floor that's in there is very old and really almost unsafe for pickleball and basketball. There's, there's just, it's a bad floor and it needs to be replaced as soon as possible. Um, Angie, Dave, if you'd like to present, I would appreciate it. Thank you, Mr. Cotter, Vice Mayor, Council. 
Today I asked for your approval to go into contract with Sun Country Floors to rehab the existing gym floor at the Optimum Community Center. The rehab consists of removing, disposing of the existing floor, grinding high spots, and leveling little minor low spots. Uh, new uh, padding along the uh, pillars and stuff inside the building, adjusting the hoops, um, also putting in a vapor guard barrier, um, installing the new floor. Uh, we have to adjust for ADA ramps because the floor is actually going to be higher. So the doorways will have to replace um, as the floor has been installed because the floor will actually be about an inch and seven eighths to two inches higher. So on the exterior, we'll ad uh, adjust that with concrete, but in the interior, we have to deal with ADA because of regular floor to the basketball floor. Uh, the also, like there will be painting of the new basketball courts, three pickleball courts, and the volleyball court. That's included in the cost. And then also the gym covering flooring and they're like tiles so staff can put them down easily. And also with two storage carts. This is a source well contract. We did do some research and looked at other entities that did bid out projects. And some of the projects came in at like 237,500. Uh, there was another one that had two bidders. The project was around 300,000. And I actually was able to pull one up today that was just open today. Um, and that one is $367,411. I stand for any questions. Dave does have a sample of the floor that we are proposing. The floor that we're proposing to install is more like a college level uh, floor. Um, also for installing it, there's easier ways to do it. I'll let you, I'll give you the floor, Dave, go for it. Uh, thank you, Angie. Mr. Mayor, uh, Mr. Vice Mayor, and Council Members, uh, this floor is, is um, it's the standard. It's the industry standard. It's the best thing you can get. Um, and, and the nice thing about it is it's adjustable. I mean, it's, um, when we put it in, we can put it in specifically. It's like fitting a glove to a hand. Um, when we put this thing into uh, our gymnasium. Also, it's uh, safe. Uh, that's a very important thing, especially uh, both short-term and long-term. It's got a little bit more spring in it uh, than a typical basketball court or than some basketball courts. Um, it's gonna be long-term safe for folks that are uh, worried about the shape of their knees that play pickleball every single day of their life. Um, so uh, that's a, it's an important thing, I think, to have. Um, and it, it's also something that when it does need to be, uh, when there is any kind of maintenance that needs to happen inside the gymnasium, uh, we can bring equipment out on this without destroying the floor. Uh, that's important because those lights are high up, the, you know, the tiles on the ceiling are high up, the air conditioning um, uh, unit is high up, the exchanger is, is high up. So uh, this is the most appropriate floor to have in this case, uh, in my opinion. Sure. Mr. Mayor, I actually, I'm sorry, Mr. Vice Mayor, I actually have a question about what Toby mentioned for the carpet. So in renting the field house several times and seeing how difficult it is to lay out all the tiles and do all those things, I was just curious, the carpet that will be put over it, which I think is a great idea, will that be stored at one end that can be pulled out easily? How yeah, is that gonna yeah. work? 
the council members. So there's two options. We've uh, selected the option where it's a uh, three by five essentially pad, and those pads get laid down and interlock versus the big rollout, which is a little bit more labor. It's a hard thing to store. We'll easily be able to store basically two carts of the carpet padding. It'll go down much easier than the field house overlay. Um, but it's necessary for us to maintain the integrity of the floor. And we know there's you know, an opportunity to rent it out for, and other user groups, such as Veterans in Motion and the players that you saw tonight, it'd be so much better for them and for us to protect this floor to have the carpet overlay on it. Then we don't worry about the scratches and scuffs uh, on, the, on the wood. I've got a two-part question. The uh, first part is, what type of warranty do you have on this new flooring? That's number one. And number two, what would be considered as the average lifespan of this flooring so that we know that a couple of years downstream, we don't have to be replacing it again? So the, we will have to maintain it on an annual basis. We'll have to come in and have it um, sanded and sealed. Um, and that's just to protect the surface. As for a basketball court, I mean, they probably last, what, 20, 30 well, years? Actually, that's kind of the nice, the nice part about this particular uh, style of court that we're getting is this one's gonna last us for sure 20 years. Um, and if we take, if we maintain it well, it's gonna last far beyond that. And our standard contracts is usually a one-year warranty um, and then from there. Thank you very much. Mr. Vice-Mayor, um, is it gonna be glued together or is it, does it just like snap together? Um, I'm not 100% sure if they do have some sort of sealant between the boards. There's a sealant on top of the whole thing. Um, it does snap together uh, and when uh, they put the coat on the top, that's something that we do every year. So every year that's gonna build up a little bit more and a little bit more. Of course, every about five years or so, we'll strip it and wax it again. Um, but the, the more we take care of it, the better shape it gets in. So I kinda like that feature as well. The reason I ask because what if like just a certain part or, <coughs> part or piece gets damaged and we need to replace like one or two little slabs? Uh, yeah, if something like that has does happen, they do have the ability to come in and fix that for us. Okay, thank you. I can't imagine what would cause that though. Go ahead, Councilman. What's the $35,000 contingency for? So the actual cost of the floor is $193,448.17. Um, when the company gave us the bid, um, there's also bid bonds and tax and, and or bid bonds and insurance that usually they put back on the city. So owner, it's owner contingency, that $35,000 is ours. Um, but I do know that we're gonna end up with like a five to 10% with the bonds and stuff like that, that will come back to the city. So instead of me coming back and saying, hey, I'm $20,000 short, I'm just, I know that's what's gonna happen. So I do anticipate the project will be under budget when it's completed. Yep. Mr. Mayor, do you have any questions? No. Thank you, Dave. Anybody in the audience, question, comment? Seeing none, I'll ask for a motion. 
Vice Mayor Head, I move to approve item eight as read. Second a motion. With a motion and a second, cast your vote. Mayor D'Amico, your vote. Yes. Seven in favor of the motion, motion carries. Item number nine, discussion of possible action to approve the agreement for professional engineering design services with West Coast Civil Incorporated for the South Supply Pipelines project in an amount not to exceed $343,865 and authorize the city manager to execute the agreement and issue resulting payments. Vice Mayor, Head and Council Members, Utility Director Mark Clark will present this item. Thank you, Mr. Cotter. Mr. Mayor, Mr. Vice Mayor and Council, um, this is one of those two main projects that we have for the city. Uh, when we took over the operations from EPCOR back in September of 21, they came out and specifically told us we don't have any redundancy in the system. Well, nothing we didn't know at that point, but um, what we've been trying to do is uh, work out a plan, and that, that plan was the water master plan that council approved in February of 22. We've completed that master plan, and that was presented to you a couple of months ago. That master plan included a number of different projects that needed to happen. This project here is one of those most crucial projects of that entire master plan. Uh, as I said, we do not have redundancy in our system. That's why we spent the time over this last year drilling eight test holes. We wound up drilling two new wells that have been drilled now and we're waiting to, to equip them. And part of that is getting that water from that new well that we have over here on Riverview Drive up to a location where we could actually put that water to use. You see before you, I handed you out a, a diagram. If you could uh, please put that uh, page one of that uh, presentation on the screen. There we go, okay. You'll see on this diagram, there are um, some highlighted items. Primarily, I'm talking about item D3 and D4. Now these pages, this page and the next page come directly out of the water master plan. Now, what we need to do is the two primary projects I was talking about is a south supply system and we have a north supply system. This, this one is for our south supply system. What this will do is get us the engineering services to design a water transmission main that will go from the new well we drilled on Riverview Drive. It'll go up Riverview Drive to Riverview Drive and the highway. It will then turn north, and that's, you see on this diagram, that's labeled as D3 segment, segment one. Uh, D3 segment two, or D3 segment two, excuse me. And that will head north. About a year ago, we put sleeves in the highway there at uh, just south of North Oatman Road. So this will go from, basically from Riverview to those sleeves. We'll go under the highway through the sleeves that we've already installed in the highway. So we don't mess up that brand new highway that's being put in. And then we'll head north to the corner of North Oatman Road and the highway. Then we'll head east, and that's what's shown as D4. And we'll head east to our approximately Arcadia, and then we'll take Arcadia north to Black Mountain Road. 
Now, this project um, is going to cost somewhere, we anticipate it costing somewhere in the neighborhood of about six and a half million dollars for all the segments of this project. But this is just for the engineering to be able to get that water from our well at 20-1, which is on, on Riverview Drive. It will connect our Big Bend well, which is behind the Ford dealership, and both of those wells be, will be ultimately pumping water into a new storage tank, which we will come back to you at some point in the future. And that will be the kind of the crux of this south supply system. There's other components to it, but that's, that's, that's what this project is about. Ultimately, these wells, 20-1, we anticipate that producing somewhere in the neighborhood of three to 5,000 gallons a minute. It will be the single largest well we have in the city, the best producing well we have in the city. We don't have all the water quality data back yet, but that will be our largest well. And we need to be able to use that as the backup supply for the entire south half of the city. So the Riviera, Riverbend, Holiday Shores area, Fox Creek even will be part of this ultimate plan for backup. So this, this is one of our key projects that we need to get done for the city. And we have another one on the north side just like this, but we don't have the funds to do them all at once. So we're looking to ask for you to provide us with 300, $343,865 for West Coast Civil to design the various segments of this line so that we can begin to begin to move forward with our south supply system. Stand for any questions you may have. Mark, how did we land on um, West Coast Civil Incorporated? Is, was this a competitive process or are we just? No, it's a professional services contract. So what we did was we used West Coast Civil because West Coast Civil is actually the entity that did this master plan for us. So they know exactly what it is we're looking for. I don't have to go out and re-educate a new engineer and explain to him and pay to educate him on what it is we need. They already have, we've already passed that stage. They know what it is we need. They know what we, what we're looking for. They know our specifications already. So we're saving a lot of time and a lot of money by using them. Okay. Thank you, Rich. That was my question. <laughs> I knew I was gonna get it from you. <coughs> Mr. Mayor, do you have any questions? No, that was actually my question also. Thank you. All right, we'll open this for public comment. Anyone like to come forward? Seeing no one from the audience rise, I'll ask for a motion. Mr. Mayor, motion to approve item number nine is read. Second a motion. Have a motion and a second, please vote. Mayor D'Amico, you vote? Yes. Seven in favor of the motion, motion carries. Item number 10, discussion of possible action to adopt resolution number 2024R03, authorizing submission of a grant application to the Arizona Department of Housing, SFY24, State 
HTF owner occupied emergency housing repair. Vice Mayor, Head Council Members, our Human Services Director Jeff Tipton will present this item. Thank you, Mr. Cotter. Vice Mayor, Council, uh, this is a request to authorize the submission of a grant to the Arizona Department of Housing for owner-occupied housing emergency repair funds. Um, el eligible activities include using funds for basic emergency repair when the assisted housing unit has one or more um, hazardous conditions that threaten the health and safety of the occupants. Also, correction of hazardous conditions will result in a unit that is decent, safe, and sanitary. Uh, the correction of the hazardous condition is necessary to avoid displacement of the owner-occupants. Uh, the max project amount is $25,000. Um, this is a competitive grant for which the city can apply to receive $250,000 uh, for construction and administration of funds. All homes assisted will be owner-occupied single-family residents. Um, funding will allow the city to provide a more comprehensive and efficient housing program. Uh, the grant committee has uh, reviewed the grant proposal and has recommended for council approval, and there's no match from the city. Um, application is due February 8th, and the award decision should be shortly after that. And your approval of this grant application would be appreciated. And I have Denise Bishop here, and we're happy to answer any questions. You know, the only thing I want to mention is this is a similar program or same program that's a carryover on an annual basis. Is that not correct? No, actually, I have not seen housing trust funds in probably 15 years. I was really kind of surprised when the NOFA came through. This is actually, I don't know if this is gonna be continued next year, but this is a one-time opportunity. Okay, but yeah. this is what the city has been doing right along. Yes, yes, we've been doing housing rehab all along, correct. Oh, we're good, thank you much, that's all I have. Sorry. Mr. Vice Mayor, I just wanted to say, um, this is a wonderful program and I'm really I'm really glad that they're extending this and opening this up. I know we have lots of discussions here about higher end apartments coming in, things like this, but there are a lot of homeowners that are struggling and they need help with these larger items. Their air conditioner goes out or their hot water heater explodes or things like that. So I hope you get it and I'm thankful for all you do for the citizens in need in our community. Thank you. Mr. Mayor, you have any questions? No. Okay, thank you. Anyone in the audience have a comment, question? Seeing no one rise, I'll close the public comment. Uh, can I get a motion? Mr. Mayor, I move that we approve item number 10 as read. Second. I have a motion and a second, please vote. Mayor D'Amico, your vote. Yes. Vice Mayor Head, did you press? I did. Apparently it didn't. There, there we go. There it goes. <laughs> Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. Item 11, discussion of possible action to adopt resolution number 2024R04, authorizing the submission and receipt of a grant from the National Park Service under the Outdoor Recreation Legacy Partnership Program. Vice Mayor Head and Council, uh, this evening we have Travis Pruitt and Eddie Gajera, our Assistant City Managers, presenting this item. I would uh, just like to preface this by saying, you know, this is an opportunity. We've been successful on grants. We may or may not get this grant, but it's a great opportunity to essentially finish off Rotary Park. When you see these big numbers, though, 
remember that this can be spread out over many years, and that's how those federal grants work. So um, if we were to obtain it, this would be many years, and I'm sure the gentleman will explain that to you. So it's not as if next year, this is all we're gonna be doing in our budget. This would actually go beyond some of your terms in office. I just wanna throw that out there as we begin. Um, and I'm sure Travis and Eddie will explain all of that and, and all of the grant proposal. Once again, good evening, Vice Mayor and Council. Um, I stand before you today to present to you the uh, National Park Service Outdoor Recreational Legacy Partnership Grant, uh, also known as the ORLP. Uh, this is a major grant given out by National Park Service to underserved communities. Uh, what they try to target is new uh, parks or uh, renovation or acquiring of parks to basically uh, enhance amenities or develop new amenities for the community that lives within that vicinity. Uh, for our area, uh, it is Riviera and Rotary Park falls within a qualified census tract, and that's why we are eligible for this grant. Um, Right now, uh, we've been looking at this grant, as uh, 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 the city manager mentioned, uh, for I think the more than 12 months now. Uh, we did come across it last year. Uh, Arizona State Parks and Trails was able to come out to Rotary Park. They did look at it, and they did deem it uh, eligible uh, for this grant. Uh, it is obviously one park that uh, we have here in Bullhead City that we hold to a high standard, but with this uh, ask that we have before you today, we want to make it a marquee park. So National Park Service last year had the maximum grant award at 10 million. They took it to 15 million this year, but it's a dollar for dollar match, which basically means 50-50. The city will be coming in uh, with a request for 7.5 million, and we will be putting in 7.5 million over three years. Uh, so the way it happens uh, with your approval today, if we get it, we shall send it, uh, we will work on it, finalize it, send it over to Arizona State Parks and Trails, they'll vet it, and then their committee will approve it, and then they will submit it on behalf of Bullhead City. Currently in Arizona, no city has ever gotten this grant, and we hope to be the first ones to get this. Uh, I think it's also going to be a win for Arizona. After it's submitted, National Park Service does their review. We don't expect to hear anything back until sometime late next year or early 2026. And then after that, you have one year to finalize your designs, uh, your plans, uh, your in-kind match, and everything else that you had presented to them. And then you have, if I'm not wrong, four to five years from groundbreaking and when you sign the agreement to have everything finalized. So some of the amenities that we're looking at here are uh, a new splash pad at Rotary Park, uh, a new playground, uh, renovating the current playground, making them ADA accessible, uh, the walk, the walking path, Heritage Trail, we want to redo that and also put some solar lighting across that. Uh, we have some public beaches that we want to make more accessible. Uh, and then we also have um, several other areas for landscaping and also not forgetting the skate park and pump track. So these are just some of the amenities that we have mentioned. Um, as, and I, as I've just mentioned to you right now, this is not set in stone. If we want to get awarded this grant, um, several things could be changing, uh, different things could be changing. So uh, the, the item before you today is just your approval with the vision that we have 
to finally wrap up uh, Rotary Park and make it a marquee park. I'll let Travis touch on a few things and then I'll, I'll stand for any questions. Thank you. Thank you, Eddie. Um, good evening, uh, Vice Mayor and Council, Mr. Mayor. Um, Eddie did a good job touching on everything that's related to this grant. I just wanted to hit on a couple of items. As we, as he mentioned, we've been looking at this grant for well over a year, trying to find out how to time it right, what makes, makes the most sense, because it is a dollar for dollar match. Um, we're talking about a $15 million project. Um, sounds like a lot, but as, uh, as uh, Toby had mentioned, you can spread that across time, across the project, and kind of balance it with the, other, um, with the actual grant funding. Um, and the other good piece is, if we were to get approved for this, Eddie and I would have about two years to really hit this street hard and try to find some additional partners to come up with some of that matching money. So you can go to the state and say, hey, state, we got this, you know, we were really supposed to match it dollar for dollar but if you come in with state funding, we can contribute that also and try to bring that cost down as well as in-kind matches where we can start to talk to Angie about, okay, what can we really list as in-kind here to bring that whole, our contribution down? So there is some flexibility to try to work with that. And again, there's time to spread that across. So um, as Eddie mentioned, the total, uh, the, uh, it's supposed to be completed in three years. You can stretch it out to five years if you need to. So you really got, you're talking about a contribution spread across three years. Um, the other piece I wanted to mention is this is part of when uh, Mayor D'Amico and I went to uh, DC. We, uh, this is part of our effort going in and talking to the, um, the National Park Service and trying to lay the groundwork for this grant. So we already have partners built on the federal side who understand our need and are on board with trying to make this a reality. So we just wanted to share that information and hopefully you give us the opportunity to move the grant forward. Thank you. All right. Mr. Vice Mayor, I just have a question. Um, if you said that we wouldn't even find out if we get the grant until the end of next year or sometime in 2026, is that correct? Correct. So does that mean that we would hold off, you know, if we wanted lighting in Rotary Park or if we wanted to improve some other area, would that mean we'd need to hold off on all of those improvements just in case we might get this grant? How does that work? Yeah, in, in my estimation, the answer would be no. Yeah. Um, we're bringing a, a new modified master plan to the Park and Rec Commission at their next meeting. We'll bring it to you shortly thereafter. And so, um, when you look at the completion of Rotary Park, there's a number of things that need to be done. And so whether it's a million dollars for trail lighting or additional beach access or all the things that Eddie and Travis talked about, <coughs> do we need to wait till 2026 through 2031, 32? No, we don't. But if we get that grant and we can start making plans for some of those long-term investments, I mean, good fiscal prudence would tell us, hey, if we can, you know, garner seven and a half million dollars, let's let's do it. And so, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to do the ADA playground. That doesn't mean we're not going to make the skate park modifications. All the things you budgeted for are going to keep going. Um, and, and there's a chance we may not get it. For as positive and as great as these gentlemen are, maybe we're not the first one in Arizona. But but I think laying that groundwork. Um, and partnering up with the National Park Service, they fully understand what Bullhead City desires and needs, and this grant fits perfectly. 
Thank you. I, I hope that we get it, and I'm glad to know, obviously, that we'll do what's in our current budget. I was just talking about those future budgets. So thank you so much, and good luck. Thank you. I like the grant idea. Um, could you clarify, so the grant is for 15 million and it requires us to match another seven and a half. So actually the total spend as a result of this would be 22 and a half million. No, the total no, spend okay. will be 15. Okay, got it. And is the only, is the primary reason uh, that Rotary Park is the target of the grant primarily because of the income levels of the surrounding neighborhood? You got that spot on. The community that is going to be the direct benefactor of such a project of such a grant has to be less than 0 0.5 miles from the area that you're proposing in your grant application. Okay, so other parks would not qualify Correct. this one. Good. I just have a quick statement. You guys, in the work you do, very commendable, and we all thank you. Thank you, sir. Vice Mayor, uh, I want to wish you guys good luck on that, and Rich asked the question I had about clarifying the 7.5 and 15. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Mr. Mayor? <coughs> yes, Vice Mayor. I definitely recommend we push this through. Uh, Travis and I did meet with the head of um, of uh, National Parks out there, and we got some pretty good traction from him. Um, like you said, there's no guarantee we'll get it, but I do know we're on their radar, and I think we did very well up there. Uh, I think we do have a good, a good shot of getting it through as long as Arizona pushes it through for us. So I highly recommend everybody put this through. All right, thank you, gentlemen. Let's see if the audience has any questions. Thank you. Anybody with public comment? Seeing no one, I'll close the public comment and entertain a motion. Mr. Mayor, I move to approve item 11 as read. Second motion. Have a motion and a second. Cast your vote. Mayor D'Amico, your vote. Yes. Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. <laughs> item number 12, discussion of possible action to approve the city's use of the Secretary of State's equal system for candidates to obtain nomination petition signatures online for all future elections. Vice Mayor, Head Council Members, our City Clerk Sue Stein will present this item. Hi Mayor and Council, as you are probably aware, the Secretary of State's office has provided a secure portal for obtaining citizens circulating to obtain online signatures on their nomination petitions. This is a total option for citizens. Um, the Secretary of State has um, probably been working on this for two to three years. I think it came about um, during COVID when it was hard for people to get out there to get signatures. And of course, we're going more electronic with everything these days, so um, it was just a natural um, progression of uh, of what their idea is, is how to enable the candidates and the voters um, to get more signatures easily. And some people may not uh, like the system and not wanna use it, but that's okay. They can go ahead and um, use paper petitions. Um, sometimes um, they like to use the online system because the online system is 
will cut off uh, if you, um, it's, it's tied into the MVD system. So what happens if um, you live in Fort Mojave and you try to sign uh, Bullhead City candidates petition, it'll automatically kick out. So, um, and it was also um, if somebody tries to sign more than four, say for instance this year, um, petitions, then that um, will also kick the person out. So it's nice to eliminate any type of um, nomination petition challenges that we've had in the past. Um, the candidates are responsible for monitoring their own online system and there's no cost to the city. Uh, if you remember Mojave County initiated this system probably um, two months ago, three months ago. Um, they approved it, so the county is also using the system. I don't really want to get into too much, but if you have any questions or any thoughts, I'm open. I really don't like this particular item. And the reason for it, many of us, uh, when you're running for the office, to get on city council, you have to work. This takes out working element for a lot of people. People are lazy enough now. Uh, you have to get out there, you have to walk the streets, you have to meet people, you have to find out what their likes are, what their dislikes are, what they don't like and what they do like about the city. And uh, most of all, you wanna find out what you can do to help them once you get on city council so that you can round off the community quite a bit easier because you know these people, you've met them, you've talked to them and you got their signatures. Doing it electronically, I think, defeats the whole purpose of doing that and you'd get people sitting up here not knowing who voted for them, why they voted for them and what they were thinking when they did vote. That's all I have to say and I will not vote for this. Thank you. Mr. Vice Mayor. So that was one of my questions. Is there gonna be any interaction with the constituents or do they just sign and? Um, well, what I've seen is uh, candidates have Facebook or social media posts, um, pages, and they will direct their uh, voters to their, um, their site, their portal, um, where they can go ahead and then just go in there and sign it. That's mostly what I've seen, it's pretty much social media. Um, I agree with some of what Dan said, not all of it. I'll vote yes because, you know, it's another option. You can still do the paper and you can still meet them and yeah, you wanna find out, you know, what some of the issues are by being face to face and they can know you. But I think it's a good extra option. Okay. Um. I, I completely disagree with this. I don't know. I, my first question is why? Why in Bullhead City or even Mojave County, why can't you get your butt out there like they have for years, go out, you're doing a resume. It's a resume. You can't just send a resume to your future whatever and have them hire you. So I think this is terrible and I'm gonna throw another thing. Why do we have to do this now? Why, why, why do we have to do this now? Um, I just read um, today 
that there was this mysterious virus, I can't remember what it was, X, on two, two airlines. And when, when I hear this kind of stuff, I don't wanna be any part of it, because I, I, I don't trust it. I don't trust it, no. Um, Mr. Vice Mayor, um, the county has approved it and I therefore will be voting yes, but also this, like Sue mentioned, is a higher level of verification because they have to use their driver's license and verify who they are. And so, although I agree with Dan and Juan and Tammy that you should go out and meet your constituents, um, if you're sharing this on social media or on your website or wherever, people, it takes a lot of effort to go in there and put all of your information in and so uh, I doubt they would do that if they didn't actually know the candidate that they were voting for. So I will be voting yes. Mr. Mayor. Well, I would hope that you're meeting with your constituents and talking to them and getting all their needs and thoughts out there before just getting petitions signed and not only when petitions are getting signed. Um, but I think this is a good tool um, to use for verification too. Um, you know, some people, now myself, if you need 500 signatures, I'll get, get 800. Some people don't know that they'll go, they'll need 500 and they'll get 550. And later on you find out 75 of them are no good. So this is a good way of uh, verifying. I believe in doing both myself, um, but I'll definitely be voting for it. Yes. Sue, quick question. Is this applicable to um, initiatives or just candidates? At this point, just candidates. Thanks. We have to, the city has to set it up on the back end um, for each election. And I've done that already. Um, upon your approval, I can set it up to go live. So I, a, I have a follow-up to that, Sue. So once, if, if this is approved tonight, will it have to be approved every election? Um, well, the motion is for all future elections. Okay, all right. But if the council decides they don't wanna use it, they can always, you can always. I bring understand. it back. Okay. Anybody in the audience? Scotty, come on up. <coughs> Scotty from Bullhead. Um, I can't believe you're not going to vote for this. Tammy, you were. Sh a uh, few votes short last time. Uh, Scotty, I've ran four times. I've got I've got signatures four times. Three out of four isn't bad. That's seventy-five <laughs> percent. I don't know what to say. But this will be verified by the Secretary of State when she set this up. That you can vote for me because I'm running for a county office. It's kicked her out because she put her Fort Mojave address. She said, and the computers told her, no, you live in Fort Mojave, you cannot vote for for me in this. She can't sign my petition nomination papers. So there is some things that are good about this. It kicked her out. So you don't have false people signing your ballot, Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck, okay? So you wouldn't have been wrong on your count. 
So you get an exact count here. Now, I've been sitting here for a while. I've used this thing three times. I could not go door to door. I cannot go door to door or stand in the damn Smith's parking lot. I can't do that. So what you're doing is not letting me run because I get 398 doors I got to knock on. I can't do that. You had 15 people sign up for when, when you nominated uh, Rick over here. You've only got eight people signed up. 398 times they have to go knocking on doors. You had 15 running for city council, and you've only got eight now because it's, you've made it too hard. It's 5% or 1% or whatever. In, in Lake Havasu, you have to, uh, you know, over 600 people to sign. It's a certain percentage of people who voted. And I can't imagine walking those hills. <laughs> that, that's some hilly stuff. Anyway, it's, it's all right here. It's set up. And Sue cannot, pretty hard to set up. I had to have somebody else do it. So, and it wouldn't let her sign. So here's the paperwork. I don't know what you guys got. But uh, I wouldn't be able to run if I had, didn't have this. Anyone else? All right, having no one else respond for a motion. Mr. Mayor, I move that we approve item number 12 as read. Second. Have a motion, a second, cast your vote. Mayor D'Amico, you vote? Yes. Five in favor of the motion and two opposed, motion carries. All right, thank you very much for joining us this evening.